Welcome to Movie of the Year Patron Only Edition, the only podcast that has the science and the scream to unequivocally figure out what the best movie is of any given year. I am your host, patrons, for this season, and this is one of my final outings, Mike Gravano. I'm kind of trying to bring, uh, in honor of the movie, two separate energies. I have the the hat uh, of Steven Spielberg and then the messy beard, and I will be abusing my panelists to honor Kubrick to get the best performances I can out of them. And the people I'll be abusing tonight is Greg. Joke's on you, Mike. I respond to abuse. I thought you meant respawn like video game style. Like you'll just no, come back the same. N- no, sir. No, no, no. <laughs> Treat me poorly and you get the best out of me. Good. That's so you're my Shelly Duvall. <laughs> I love it. And I guess that makes our Jack Torrance. Here's Ryan. Hi, Mike. Uh, thank you so much for having me tonight. Thanks for being here. No, buddy. I, like this is this is you feel cowed. This is quite the honor for me. Well, I, I don't want to enter into your guys' abusive relationship. I want to let you guys have that all to yourself. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, um, but no, this is this is quite the honor because there are certain movies that um, you know we have a job, we have a responsibility to figure out the greatest movie of any given year. But I think there's certain movies that we all sort of like root for to that we talk about. Uh, I don't know if any of the three of us, for instance, were just praying that we talked about Donnie Darko. Um, this this <laughs> no. is a big one for me. Yeah, yeah, and you you pushed for this one, and we did an actual bracket to decide this because that's how we make every decision. We, we, that's I. That's how I decided which woman I should marry. Why would I <laughs> treat movies any differently? Uh, yeah, we. I don't know if I've actually said it. We're doing AI artificial AI. intelligence for our Patreon, and Ryan did uh, hev- heavily lobby to get this as the Patreon only yeah. episode. Yeah, and it's interesting it, because this movie, in its own time, is it is it um out of bounds to say that it was like panned or not respected i remember i didn't like it when i saw it the first oh, time. oh man i was on the imdb page and it said budget like 120 million dollars uh box office take 77 million dollars and here's what's crazy i was seven of those bad boys for the record so i feel like <laughs> i million? did my part i spent seven million dollars watching this movie well yeah you know <laughs> if you like it, 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 i didn't like the movie but i felt bad we respect fans here yeah. but the crazy part is that the uh opening weekend was 30 so you think so everyone comes to see the big Spielberg movie, but you're supposed to make, uh, you know, like 4.5 times your opening weekend. Uh, uh-huh. This, because of word of mouth or whatever, like this movie was a notorious bomb. Um, I watched it like a year ago just because I had heard all the stuff. I thought it was okay. Uh, was it a year ago the first time you? No, no, no. When I like I saw it in theaters, oh, okay. and then I. Uh, we probably literally saw it together, like in the theater, yeah. time, like back in the. I day. think any movie that came out po- post ninety nine, probably Greg and I saw in theaters together, holding hands. Yeah, there's like a three year period. It, every time you guys mention that, it just does this to me. <laughs> <laughs> so much pain, but, so much. Yeah, I guess suffering. that is kind of like a unique thing that just you and I have, Ryan. That sort of excludes Mike well, in a way. I hadn't thought of that. You're not supposed to be friends for this long. But the other thing that you're not supposed to be is. <laughs> Is angry that people did things before they met you. Like that's that should not be a feeling that you have. I look. That's what my therapist tells me as well. But. How would any of us be married to our wives? Am I right, gentlemen? <laughs> I wish I was married to your guys' wives. <laughs> uh, but like a year ago, the stock the stock was just skyrocketing on this movie. So I I I, I threw it in, threw uh, my VHS copy in, and I. <laughs> I was so stoked about it that like I was excited to watch it again. I like in the bracket I wasn't voting against it because oh I just watched it. 
I cannot believe how good this movie is. In fact, I would say that there's maybe two. It's it's so just to be clear for the Patreon episode, it's eligible for Moody's that are not movie of the year. Yes, it is ineligible for best movie of 2000. I would say there's two, maybe three movies we watched for 2001 that are better than this movie. I I would add a few onto there. <laughs> like yeah, eight. I I think I think <laughs> it, it probably beats some of the movies of 2001 in my book, but I think there's more that are better than than. I think this is like a truly fascinating movie that uh like it's it's. Uh, like this is what I dream about is just having a movie like this to talk to you guys about, you know, like uh, I do think it's truly fascinating. Yeah. One thing yeah. that I hope we get into is this is, this reminds me a little bit uh, of the movie uh, in parts reminds me a little bit of like the book, the sound and the fury. Uh, while I was reading the sound and the fury, I was like, you fucking Faulkner. If you have see me coming, you better go the other way, man. Cause I'm going to fucking bunch you in the but jaw. I just wanna... And as soon as I was, as soon as I was done, I was like, art, this was art, yeah, and it's the best thing I've ever read in my yeah. entire life. But I think a lot of people don't have that thing of like this sucks. But if I could, if I could just get to the end of it, then I could talk to people about it, and that is the point of uh-huh. it. It's not the actual thing. I, I will say, as somebody, so you both watched this together. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it came holding out hands. Ryan... We were Ryan. We can disclose that we were holding hands. At oh, this oh, point. oh, we watched it in theaters together, and when we before we knew Mike, we also this week watched it together when we knew Mike, but did not invite him. That's important. To me. That is more. That, you know what? That is more hurtful. Uh, Ryan watched it a year ago and then fell in love with it. Greg, when was had had you not seen it since the theaters? Uh, it. I had not seen it since the theaters. This was one of like these movies that I, as I was watching in the theater, I was rolling my eyes as like hard as I could. So excited to get out and just start tearing it to pieces, and then proceeded to kind of think about it for twenty years. And then, because of that, well, at I the, think like at oh. the bottom of an ocean, right? You just went, you just sat on the bottom of the yeah. ocean, and just thought for twenty years, right? Well, if you, I mean, it's one thing for me to watch the movie now, but if you had stopped the movie like ten minutes before that happens and said like, "Hey, what do you think is going to happen at the end of this movie?" and just said like, "List all the possible endings," I never in a million years would have guessed how the movie was going to end. But when you so like that was so bewildering, but um. I I was aware that it had like risen in status and because I was like had really like chewed on it mentally for a while I was excited to get back to it for that reason even though I didn't like it at first I didn't like if you remember this is the exact same story I I told about another Kubrick one that I actually directed but Eyes Wide Shut we went and saw Eyes Wide Shut and I was like that's the stupidest fucking movie ever it didn't work thought about it nonstop. like when you watch the movie it it doesn't work it doesn't click yeah there's just it's it's too many disparate parts and it doesn't work and then if you sit on it and you think about it and then you watch it again, you're like, oh my God, art, art, uh, art. Like we're like, I watched AI twice for this show and you do that with some movies, you don't do it with other movies. But as soon as you are done watching AI, when you start over again, you see how neat it is from like it's the first frame. Fucking how perfect. It's like, yeah, like it's very well balanced. It's very much like um, it's got a, a ton of, of just balance from the beginning to the end. It's making the same point really the entire time. And you're just you're not aware of that until the very end of the movie. I think that that's what's going the other on. The thing, too, is that I don't I don't I don't I don't know if any of us do. Mike, maybe you a little bit. I uh, have that thing of uh, love thinking that bad movies are good, you know, like watching movies that are terrible and then liking them. Um Oh yeah, but this movie gives me a little bit of that because 
like all of the outside stuff, all of the Spielberg commentary and Kubrick commentary and movie commentary and all the stuff, like a lot of my love and fascination for this movie isn't actually textual. It's just like trying to figure all that stuff out. I think, I think makes this movie like, I, I already know that this episode is going to be too long and I already know I want a second one. I want to order a second one. I, so I a will say, I would love real, a squeakle, Ryan? Greg. Uh, if you don't know what that means, you should go figure out why Ryan and Greg both came in with three points each and listen to the. You get a bonus segment to your bonus show, patrons. Uh, Thank you. That's how much we also, love Also, if you don't know why Mike came in so hot and angry, you should go listen <laughs> to that. <laughs> and then listen to a superhero show show from like four weeks ago. <laughs> I uh, This is the first week I've seen this movie, and so maybe I need that 20 years to sit I'm sorry, on wait, it. hold I will on. Say this, is this, movie... first, this is the first time you've ever seen the movie? Yeah. And I will say it is dumb as hell and very sweet. I think it can be both of those well, things, but uh, it is dumb as hell. I mean, you just described like typical Spielberg, right? It's so fucking dark. It, it is such a dark indictment of 2020 that you walk away from this movie saying it's sweet as hell. Because most people were like, that movie is so existential and such a nightmare. Even though it does barely pull the nose up right at the end before it's slamming into the ground, yeah, it's, most people it's, find it pretty depressing. It's depressing, but there's sweet moments. So those are the Spielberg, but uh, it, it's a mess. It's 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 a it's mess. Ab- I'm very excited oh, to talk about man. it. Ah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, as Ryan said, this will be long because I don't want to dedicate any actual important segment to this question. I want to rip the bandaid off and do this as quick as fucking possible. What's Spielberg and what's Kubrick? Because people pretend like this is the important thing to talk about. Based on interviews that Spielberg has had since Kubrick died, because Kubrick was unavailable at that point, um, he often says that he like everything that they everything that people think is Kubrick is Spielberg, and everything that people think is Spielberg is Kubrick. Yeah. Um, I think that the reason that Kubrick called Spielberg and said, "Please do this," is because he just kept adding things like Teddy like love Mm -hmm. like warmth and kubrick was like i can't do this man like this is not how i make movies uh i am ice cold as fuck i make you hate humanity or like question ever loving humanity and i think it needs the spielberg touch so kubrick added those elements and went i don't know how to handle them and so spielberg was like all right then i'll take it because and then because basically kubrick is like dr hobby or he like is the mom he himself is like an ice princess. He himself like lacks the warmth necessary. Or maybe even a little bit Martin. Maybe a little bit yeah. like looking at not Martin Lawrence, <laughs> who who makes a weird cameo in this movie. Brother Man's house. <laughs> um, house. But yeah, maybe sort of like looks at humanity as sort of objects to point at, but like they're always objects and needed that Spielberg shit. And then Spielberg took that and did something crazy, which is go against all of how he has made movies up until this point he like all of the warmth is what he kept from kubrick and all of the dark is him just being like there will be no more spielberg the ending is a major point of contention i know we're going to talk about the ending in general but i know that a lot of people feel like the kubrick ending would be the kid repeating to the fairy david repeating to the blue fairy make me a real boy and then just roll credits you know, like the he's idea he's whispering he, it over the credits. Yeah, the whole time. he stays there. Yeah, and the idea is he does stay there until he runs out of power, and then he just dies. The dream having lured him to the depths and to, to his. But death. then over the and cre- that Spielberg over the credits, they just have him saying that as a rap and just 
<laughs> make me a real boy. Make me a real boy. I want to be. But um, like Spielberg swears that the ending is 100% Kubrick, that he mm. that, that was one of the things that he took directly from him. I think it's a shame that the movie was such a big flop because the way Spielberg talks about the ending is not like the ending's brilliant. He says, I would make the ending that way if, if Kubrick didn't want to. But he ends up defending it in a weird way where it feels like he's pulling Kubrick in front of him to like take the brunt of it. And I think it's <laughs> a, what you it's, do with your dead friends. It's not fair to an artist the way the movie was constructed and the way it was received because it 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 may it put like Spielberg on his back foot and I think he ended up saying things to protect himself a little bit mm. that an artist doesn't usually say about their own work like so much of it is given over to somebody else and maybe like it might be his fault if if, if the ending is but wrong. I think this is like the first time that Spielberg ever felt pushback in his entire filmmaking career. You know, is like uh, actually there's some people who don't like you because I I do think that you when you go to watch this movie you know the director and therefore you're sort of like I better get perfect Spielberg or if I get anything less or weird then I'm gonna be fucking furious and instead like if you think about movies like uh, Full Metal Jacket or 2001 um, there there are these like even Clockwork Orange there are these like uh, almost three different movies or two different movies tied into each other but they're all thematically the same but the fact that like now we now we can finally pounce on Spielberg. Now we can finally say like this guy that we've always loved, even though we knew he was stupid and lame and made us feel our feelings. Now <laughs> we can jump on him. I think we did. But in reality, what he did was like create sort of three different movies, and it's almost two a T. Like it's almost three yeah. different forty-five yeah. minute movies, uh, and then say like fuck you, man. You don't know shit about movies. And that's probably why the stock is rising is because there's less of the give me a Spielberg movie and people are like, I'll watch this movie. And they're like, oh, there's no expectations coming into right. play. I'm just watching this. Thing I, and I mean, and by, yet, definition, the, he still had, by definition, the stock rising means it doesn't mean that new people are watching it. I think it always means people are right. re-watching. And no, Gen Z got way into <laughs> you, you have to watch this movie twice. And yet he's still Spielberg doing all the things that make him such a, a genius, um, the way his vocabulary like describes exactly what's going on in a scene is like, I don't know. Now that I finally noticed what directors do, I don't think I really appreciated how much he shows and doesn't yeah, tell I, as a director. There's, I don't think there's anybody who just like, uh, you know how like John Wick, his guns are just like his fists. Like they're just part of his body. Like the way that I know. Yeah, I do know that. Right. I mean, you basically live the same life, but like, yeah, I, I don't know if he's the best filmmaker of all time, but like there is something where his camera and human emotions are just attached, and it makes us pissed, and we want to yell at him, but there's nobody better at it. Like There's nobody better in the history of film. And watching this now, I don't think this is a movie he should be yelled at when the post still exists. So <laughs> there's definitely Lester Spielbergs out there. We have to take a break. Uh, there's already too much to dig into. When we come back, we'll officially... Dig into AI, artificial intelligence. Hola, Felterinos. I just wanted to interrupt real briefly and say thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. If you want to support us a little more directly, you can go to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. There, depending on what tier you pick, $1 a month, $5 a month. If you're crazy, anything more than $5 a month, don't do that. You can get extra content. There's extra shows, extra series, uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, you could pay for ryan to draw you a picture uh, i can write you a poem you can get the shirts off our very own backs 
all of that and so much more over at patreon.com slash your pop filter while you're on the internet you should check out shady monk he does all the tunes you've been listening to he's on Bandcamp. he's on spotify uh, soundcloud wherever kids get their music these days that i'm too old to know shady monk lives there uh, you could probably follow him on twitter and instagram as well that's shady monk wherever you get music check him out in the late 70s stanley kubrick brought the film rights to super toys last all summer long even hiring Brian Aldiss, who wrote the story, to do the film treatment. In 85, Kubrick asked Spielberg to direct. Sixteen years, numerous writers, and Kubrick's death later, before Spielberg wrote the GD thing himself. <laughs> Accused of mixing the most mock tendencies of the two, AI serves up Spielberg's saccharine, pulling at heartstrings, missed with Kubrick's cold and standoffish meanderings. But Spielberg has said everybody flips which parts they assume he did, and which are kidded to Kubrick. And the divisiveness upon the film's release makes him know he achieved Kubrick's goals, which is a pretty boss thing for Steven to say. <laughs> Especially when the other person's dead. And yeah. can't argue. <laughs> but also like, oh, the re- everybody argued about it, which is how I know I was punk rock. <laughs> like, <it> was fucking- <laughs> Hell yeah, Stevie. The movie's esteemed, as we said, is only ri- raised in the nearly 20 years since it came out. Taste Buds ask you this. Defenders of this movie have argued that this is St- Spielberg's mature movie despite his 90s run of historical dramas about the Holocaust, slavery, and the American World War II experience. Is this, in fact, the mature Spielberg film? It's maybe the most philosophical. Which is, I think, a little crazy. I mean, like, last Patreon episode we did was Color Purple, and it was emotional and effective in that way, because that is what he is you know, boss at like that is we know that he can do that, but it wasn't really saying that much. I think that this does have more to say and it's it's definitely more philosophical and I think more mature than Amistad and Saving Private Ryan and I think maybe even Schindler's List. I think that this is uh doing more like asking more questions about the human experience than those other movies. And it's an interesting, like, moral casting into the future rather than all of those which are, like, a moral judgment of the past. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is asking, like, a a very big question that we are on the precipice of just, like, like having an answer to before we actually come to a, a moral answer to, which is, like, what do we owe to these things that we're creating, you know? I think that was a lot of people's problems is that like we didn't get the fucking answer and we were so used to uh, Spielberg movies like being like everything being hand delivered right into our mouths that right. uh, like, uh, you know, like little boys should hang out with aliens and sharks are scary that we just thought that uh, we would get the easy answers on this one. And the fact that he uh, this is the thing that he learned from Kubrick of like, I, I don't know, leave it up in the air. Let's see what they. Let's see how they deal with this shit. Because we don't, we don't know the answer to this question. And we still don't know. And we yeah. need Spielberg to tell us, and he won't. God damn it! It might take yeah. two thousand years to get the answer. Uh, uh, critic from the Guardian, so a British critic uh, who liked this movie Britic. early on, a Britic, uh, said that it was like too thoughtful for Americans, which is like a great ding on Americans. But I don't know if that's the issue because Americans do like Kubrick. I really do think it's a, a matter of expectation setting. And people went expecting like some thrills, some chills, but mostly a family drama. I think and we talk instead, about instead. It was like what? <laughs> There's a scene where um, David let Gigolo Joe into the police copter, 
Uh-huh. And it uh-huh. like sort of flies around uh, future water Vegas, future water sex Vegas, in a Bruce crazy, City. in a crazy way that like you wish it was in 3D, and it feels like that you're on like a Star Tours type ride. Some parts of this movie feel like they're almost 3D. <laughs> it is David's first time flying that police copter, you know, and it's my first time too. <laughs> uh, but like that's that's like a very um, that's just part of a very small amount of like. Uh, seeing dinosaurs and aliens of this mm-hmm. movie, you know, like it, most of it, Spielberg is not interested in this movie. I, I, I think that also we don't have the framework. The average Joe doesn't have the framework to talk about movies that are not fun experiences in the theater. Which, purposely, I think, especially the first part of this movie is aggressively not fun. In part because I think they want to, he wants to trick you to not know that there's like a big blockbuster world out there and to keep you in like kind of like a little closet drama for the first act. Mm -hmm. But which is crazy because when people hear that Kubrick is American, they know he's at least British. (laughs) (laughs) He at least did a residency. (laughs) If not like Indian or Japanese or something, some other country that like makes serious movies about serious things to find out that he's american um doesn't make sense to people yeah but and so i I don't think we like know how to talk about the average person know how to talk about movies they didn't enjoy watching but that were thought-provoking because i i think a lot of this movie is not necessarily meant to be like super enjoyable while you're watching it i think a lot of the tone and a lot of the look of the movie is going for an effect that is thought-provoking and not strictly entertaining i think there are moments that are strictly entertaining i think stevie spiels every time he picks up the camera he's going to entertain you at least a little bit and he has such an entertaining way of moving the camera and everything but yeah, for stevie the most- spiels is gonna stevie steal the show <laughs> keep going but see no i disagree i think that uh th- like this is one of the most <laughs> good job mike this is one of the most watchable movies that we've done this year i think that because it's spielberg uh i think it's the ending and not like the specific last 10 minutes but just like having the movie be over you were like i enjoyed that the entire time and yet i'm furious and it's because you're left with stuff to talk about but i i like i, th- I don't think there's a part that's boring is there okay or like, i think the fir- maybe- i think the first act is is boring for two reasons one i think it takes a long time to adjust to the fairy tale tone at some mm-hmm. point the movie stops holding your hand and stops just acting like a fairy tale and starts going fairy tales remember this is one of those but until then you're like why is everybody talking this way and the second thing is it has a very early 2000 for whatever reason super overexposed like anti-noir big bright white spots that fill up like most of the screen that are so aggressive and in your face that you're like stop movie what are you doing is it jj abrams who was like oh this will be my entire way to make movies and that shit doesn't calm down for a while and it's again it's he's going for that but it's not pleasant it's not a pleasant experience so i think it takes a while before the movie gets actually entertaining I think that this movie is, and I, I want to talk about this a lot, but I, I think that this movie is Meta Spielberg, and I think one of the times in the first 45 minutes that this is proven is when we're at, uh, so Martin is uh, the kid that's in a coma with some disease. The older right? brother, yeah. Yeah, just like frozen in time. He's got well, icy child disease. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's in the ICU. Is he and- a real boy when he's that cold? We don't know. But, uh, so I have to assume that everybody on the floor... That floor is in the same condition as uh, Martin, but on the walls are paintings of 
fairy tales. Mm-hmm. And that is for the parents. The kids can't right. see that they're in motherfucking comas. That's for the parents and it's for the audience to just know that like I'm going to gently guide you through this movie with shit like this that you remember. You know, like Pinocchio and I think Sleeping Beauty and Beauty and the Beast are on the walls. Yeah, it's why they're whistling. It's not just on the walls. They people whistle once upon a dream. Right. Like it's definitely like all just like let's get into all of Disney. And then what does she do? She goes in and she reads him Robin Hood. Like she's reading right. him fairy tales while he's frozen and under some sort of like sea of consciousness. And she is dappled in blue and frozen. Her like kind of like so- seen through the rhyme of the glass. And I'm gonna herself. guess that that version of Robin Hood did not say in that book, even though she said. And then that motherfucking hot fox walks in, and he's like, "Hello," and he's not wearing pants, and he knows it. So he knows it. Uh, with with this, so Spielberg's friends Kubrick and Lucas uh, spent a lot of time, a lot of their films talking technology versus humanity, technology versus religion. What is Steely Spiel's adding to that conversation? I wonder. I, I think this this movie might do religion like uh, AA does religion. You know, like there's a thing. Just you, believe in something. You just got to do a thing. Um, that there's something. You you just have to have a goal. And sometimes uh, a lot of people's goal is to get to that higher place, which sounds religious. But I don't know. I like people talk a lot of shit on the uh, non atheism of this movie. I don't. I'm not sure if. That's there. I think it's still pretty atheistic. I mean, you believe in something that is absolutely hollow and not real and fake, but that right. belief, if you let it lead you, can make you a better person. But I think ultimately it admits that the journey is the important part and that the destination right. is kind of like a fake thing that shatters the second you touch it. Which is awesome did, because did that's atheist it- and non-atheist. Like that's that's something that we can all relate to. The the issue is though that like when Teddy's like, Teddy's like, oh, fuck, man. A Ferris wheel just dropped on top of us. We are uh, in a cage. <laughs> I have some bad news for you, David. Um, what does David do? Nothing. No, he just he just stares into he's the praying. eyes of his eye, and yeah, he's just praying. He's and praying that belief, and that, time. but ultimately, the movie that belief leads him to what he believed he would find, which is that some force comes down and grants him his wish like his his belief in her ultimately is born out wait it's interesting because i don't think like his so his belief is is born out in a way but i don't think he becomes a better person he stays the same right but i do think that no he does become a better person because he gets that one day with her and he realizes that really like it's not i think he realizes in that day with her that like he has everything he needs that day with her is basically a memory right and so mm-hmm. by having memory he has that like proustian ability to sort of like go back and interact with the past and keep it alive but i think he realizes and he's able to like go to sleep slash die when he realizes that like that is yet another thing that's inside of him that he already has he doesn't need her to say i love you david because she says you know that i love you david and we see him, like, we see all of the lessons learned. Like, he's not a fucking freak anymore. He's not just, like, standing behind her going, like, hello, mother. Uh, he's they not, made like, me whisper quiet. He's not laughing obnoxiously anymore. He, like, he understands how humanity 
or like it, how everything should work. And then he acts perfectly, which is something that he was not totally able to do in the first third of the movie. Or did he act perfectly because it's all fake and it's in his head and he never thought he was awkward. And the thing that like his perfect dream is like deleting all of the man. I would love if I could just like dream some way where all of the annoying uh, antisocial things I did just went away. Yeah, that's why I think it's an argument. Maybe he did die. And that's is that his pills? It. Is that why people it's, take it's, pills? It's mostly, it's why I take pills is to forget the annoying antisocial things you do. Uh, <laughs> but I do think it makes Joe that like David's journey makes Joe a better person. And oh, Teddy. for sure. Like, don't don't Teddy and Joe actually kind of reveal that David is a little bit less unique? before we even realize that Dave is not that unique near the, the mm-hmm. end of the movie, because it's really like Joe, it's that, I think that scene where Joe was like, I'm going to go make that woman pay me for sex. And then he's like, uh, Hey, remember we have a mission. Dave's yeah. like, Hey, remember we have the mission. And he's like, Oh yeah. And he turns around and goes to help yeah. David with the mission like that. And then uh, of course he's the first one, like uh, 2000 years before David does it to be like, I am like, uh, I exist. I'm, I'm Cartesian dogs. Like I, I think, and I decide and I, and I feel this world and I am real. Nobody can tell me that I'm not real because I am. Hey Mike, can you stop hitting that drop please? <laughs> the puppy drop. Uh, that scene outside of the Dr. No station or booth or whatever <laughs> it is, is I think the most important because one, uh, Gigolo Joe comes out and like defines what religion means, yeah. what thought means. He's like, I can't believe that like people will pay for this one thing to believe a different thing. And then, yeah, and then gets distracted. And David's like, no, you got to come back and we got to do this. I think that's like that's the point that like defines the uh, theology of the movie and then also how movies work. David's like, no, 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 but uh, we have to continue our adventure. And he's like, yeah, you know what? You are right. And then tap dances a little bit. And it's fucking awesome because it's Jude Law. Because that scene, Jude Law. That scene's important because Jude Law there is pointing out to us like the thing that we're about to, or in the movie we have done to AI. Part of it is like it was done to us. We right. were left here with no fucking purpose, and we don't know what we're supposed to do, and we don't know who we are, and we don't know what the goal is, and we don't know if we're supposed to believe in things or not fucking believe in things, and we don't know what's going to happen, but we're sure we're all going to die. So, like, <laughs> I mean, no matter what, we are, might be doing it to these computers, but like we're so fucked up because something or someone or some force did it to us. And then the whole time, like, yeah, like we're responsible for creating these people. uh, And then we're also responsible for trying to like feel for this, for these people. Like Uh are we supposed to root for these people? And then I do think the whole time, uh, Steven Spielberg is trying to, and like, this is the tightrope that he walks the entire time of like, uh, is it okay to just leave humans behind after the first 45 minutes of the movie? Uh, and then have people root for robots, which you're supposed to. And I think that Greg did, and I know that Mike didn't. And <laughs> we'll talk about that. But never. What is robots? I think that what he's trying to say is, what is the difference between you guys rooting for David and uh, Gigolo Joe, uh, and the difference between rooting for Elliot? And mm. you know, they're all fake. They're all fucking fake, right? Yeah. Like, isn't this the whole point? Why? Why? Why is this so weird? We have to take a break from this hard-hitting philosophical thoughtfulness. And when we come back, we're going to talk about us. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening so far. And let me just tell you that everything ahead of this commercial is much better than what came before it. That's my guarantee. While I have you here, let me tell you about a website. It's called yourpopfilter.com. And it's everything 
you need that's related to Pop Filter. Everything Mike, everything Ryan, everything Greg, everything Cassie, everything is there at yourpopfilter.com. While you're there, go to yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon. Make that your new Amazon bookmark and do your shopping from there. That way we get a little piece of the action and Amazon doesn't. Make sure you're also listening to everything that Pop Filter has to offer, which includes the Superhero Show Show, a podcast that covers every single TV show that's based on a comic book or comic book property, and Movie of the Year, where we sit down and try and figure out what is the single greatest movie of any given year. That's Superhero Show Show, that's Movie of the Year, and that's yourpopfilter.com. Rate, subscribe, review, bye! Now it's time for everybody's favorite feature here on Movie of the Year. Trivia! It's not, damn it, I wish we had done trivia. Descripto <laughs> the Magnificent! It's not that. It's one Shopping we, spree! Ooh, that would have been a good one. I'm gonna shop Welcome to the Hall of Fame! Nope, that is actually later tonight. But this is where we take... <laughs> Mount Rushmore! That's nobody's favorite, Ryan. We've talked about this. Nobody understands why we're still doing it. That No, it is uh, similar to Mount Rushmore. We like to take a look at the year we're doing and say, what if we were podcasting in 2001? And what if the big names of that year replaced us? Guys, Definitely can you healthy. imagine who we were in 2001? It was just Ryan and Greg going to see movies and being best friends with never a thought of Mike at all. Why were you hanging out with this like smelly 14 year old rollerblader kid why would you do that <laughs> you were weird that kid that kid fucking rollerblades do you smell that guy let's hang out with him well i smoke because i rollerbladed <laughs> so i hit high school and suddenly my parents said find a way to school and i went what <laughs> find a Which way i to, am a chubby child find a way to get to school or find a way to school yourself Gotta school yourself yeah yeah so i schooled myself on the streets by rollerblading here's an algebra book idiot dude go school rollerblade that will toughen you up because people will give you a hard time about rollerblading yeah. everywhere you go and you'll also my... on the way to school and almost always trip because you were going too fast in your rollerblades <laughs> oh my smoothie all over you <laughs> <laughs> oh my smoothies everywhere oh also if mike was rollerblading he was fanny packing so <laughs> you know there's a lot to take in for bullies i got the bee pollen oh let's start with not me <laughs> who <laughs> was greg in 2001 oh Ryan? like you're the host bro like this is where we need points so you're not insulted in this part ryan who was greg in 2001 i'm looking at greg as my compatriot uh for the 2001 season of movie of the year uh he's a great companion he's a good friend uh doesn't say that much just lets me talk he just sits there silently listening uh, got a red face. He's got frizzy hair. He's Wilson. He's Wilson from the 2001 <laughs> hit film Castaway. <laughs> that is not where I thought you were building up to, actually. <laughs> Sorry, Wilson. Oh, Wilson. Now that Wilson, yeah. we obviously did sex stuff. <laughs> if I see the silhouette. <laughs> I never Greg. thought about that. Well, that's what blew out the top of the volleyball, right? <laughs> Craig's hair does mimic that. Wait, where did you think I was going? Well, you just like doesn't talk. Uh, I think Jane Silent Bob Strike Back also came out in 2001. I am the J to Greg Silent Bob. Yeah. <laughs> or vice versa, I guess. No, it's not because you talk too much. Mm-hmm. But at this point, I am much bigger than Greg. So. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> and Let's Greg is on. often saying Neutsch. <laughs> also, Snoochies to the Boochies. 
<laughs> Greg, who do Yo, you think you were in 2001? All right. Well, I I did a little fun thing, and I, I, I picked from the 2001 movies that we talked about on this show, and I thought, who who am I from the from the, the movies we did? And there's a little movie called Lord of the Rings, Gandalf the Grey. I'm going to say, for me, Gandalf the Grey, bringing, like, strong uh, intellectual stoner vibes, uh, probably, like, forgot to do one thing that he was supposed to do, but also has a big, important job. Also, uh, listeners only, uh, if you're only listening to this, uh, you guys won't notice that every podcast, Greg drives up in a car and Tiny Me and Tiny Mike jump into his arms and he catches us. (laughs) We're so little. I always forget how little we are until Greg rolls up. (laughs) We are really small. (laughs) Yay. Uh, Mine, when I think of Greg, I think of like leading man quality, but with a tinge of weird. Like, sure. Everybody's like like, Emo Phillips? Yeah. yeah. The thing about Greg. <laughs> okay, we all have an emo feeling. Everyone's got it. Yeah, we're going through our emo phase right now. Uh, that even like when Greg tries to be dark, there's there, there's something very human and soft and gentle about him. And uh, to me, in 2001, the person who made their name doing it, it's Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> very nice. I'll take it. Jakey Jills. Not Donnie Darko. Not Jake Donnie Darko, no. But actually, I was trying to be Jake nicer. Because, uh, yeah, I would say that Greg high. is definitely closer to... Um, Mr. Music? Yeah, Mr. Music <laughs> than he is Donnie Darko. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because Greg is always late because he was trying on all of his clothes. <laughs> I was trying on all of my clothes. I'm sorry. And he's a little like Bubble Boy in that he never wants to leave his house. <laughs> During a quarantine. So do, do we decide, decide Greg today? Or like right now, or do we no. want to decide them all later? Uh, it's up to you, there, host. I yeah. want to hear them all together at the end. So you get a nice group. Who is Mike? Greg. So again, looking at the movies from this year, who had to deal with two kind of like chuckle fucks um, who are like constantly tussling and all over each other and have a strong. Like, will they, won't they fight? Will they, won't they fuck energy? And you try to bring that energy and direct it both towards you at the same time, Mike. That's right. You're Luisa from Itumama Tambien. <laughs> you have a couple of small baby boys that you're trying to somehow oh, corral. I'm you win it, but that, that, <laughs> oh, that meant to be here. <laughs> and you know what? Every once in a while, throw them a fuck in the backseat of a car. Yeah, you yeah. know what? Don't brag, because you both last a minute and 28 seconds anyway. <laughs> I cannot believe that my answer is different, but my buildup is exactly the same <laughs> to what Greg said. Uh, just, uh, I'm going to say chuckle fucks, but I will, uh, I will also say uh, Mormon Brothers. Uh, you're just the Danny Ocean, bro. You're just the, you're, you're the guy planning the heist every night and dealing with these two fucking morons. And there's parts of the plan you don't know about. These two, mm-hmm. these two fat idiots who are much less handsome than Danny Ocean. I like that. Thank you so much. You're gonna get a. You both get just points for being nice. I, uh, I was meaner to me. I thought I was being nice to me, but not after what you guys said. Uh, <laughs> 2001. Shrek. Uh, this guy, <laughs> Shrek. Donkey. It's. Uh, we didn't know what 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 a charmer he would be at. He's just like a goofy friend in the back. But one day he'd lead everything. And it's Jack Black. He's loud. He's enthusiastic. He's tubbier than you think he is in memory. 
Have tighter we, t-shirts. Just like me. Have we done any Jack Black movies? Not enough. That, it feels None. crazy that the three of us haven't like done a, like a deep dive dissertation on Jack Black's personality and career. We're when, saving that for a whole different podcast. If we ever have a movie with him in it, I can't think of even what it would be at this point. We'll I think this year was career. Shallow Hal, and that was definitely not going to make the top eight. No. <laughs> and this year was Saving Silverman, so <laughs> not going not gonna to... De- Maybe uh, OC? Ryan, it's Orange County. He's great. Orange that. County, sorry. Greg, yeah. we're the same height. That is neat. Uh, <laughs> who was Ryan in 2001? Ryan? Okay. Oh. Uh, I'm going to go for somebody confusing. handsome. I'm going to go for somebody um, just like basically who rules the party. So much so. Who are we doing, Mike? Who are we doing? Ryan. Oh, okay. And who's Ryan? Does it go? Ryan, I guess. Oh, okay. Cool. May, may I continue? Yeah, sorry. I just was confused because what you were saying didn't make sense. Sorry. I'm going to recast Greg as Tompkins. Oh! Uh, no! <laughs> Ryan. I, uh, I'm thinking about me. I'm thinking about being handsome. I'm thinking about being uh, uh, younger looking than I actually am. I'm thinking about throwing parties, and I'm thinking about when I throw a party, uh, I'm saying, come and get it. I'm Aaron Carter, who in this year <laughs> launched the hit single, Aaron's Party, in parentheses, come get it. You are so <laughs> close to Aaron Carter now, who I think is face covered in tattoos and is definitely has drug problems. Yeah, is he okay, out. Aaron Carter? No, neither is Ryan. Not. The next time we're going to hear... His name is gonna it's gonna be really bad news. He I swear to fucking president. Christ, if you guys like go and fucking uh, help Aaron Carter get his life back on track and just ignore me and not help me get my life back on track, I'm gonna be pissed. Well, Ryan, it's not your business whose lives we get yeah, back on track. Aaron's never hurt us. What do you have? Yeah. Well, I will put my name in the suggestion box for you guys as charity, and we'll see if I ever get picked. Aaron didn't take a dump in the middle of my sister's bat mitzvah. <laughs> well, who else was gonna do it, Greg? Yeah. <laughs> uh, nobody was checking that off the list. She was so proud to be a woman. Greg, who's Ryan? Okay. I don't like this part. I was surfing. <laughs> yeah. You uh, mine were we were we were kind of nice to me and Mike, but um I was thinking, like who is from 2001 trying to understand like what makes humans be the way they are and why is it so hard for him to interface with them? Um <laughs> Like we'll already hor- mean before you announce that person. We'll get horribly sick if he eats even a little bit of vegetables. <laughs> Obviously, Ryan is David from AI. <laughs> oh man, he often just stares at us silently and just laughs. Or just uh, his laugh, yeah. Ah, oh no, <laughs> he constantly walks in on me pooping. <laughs> oh man. When I think of 2001 and us, Greg and I are these two tall, shining <laughs> towers of people. Mm-hmm. And then who's you guys coming are basically in? built like the two statues that will uh, that are like surrounding a river that leads you into a new community, right? <laughs> it's just it's just Mike and Greg standing there. And then who's coming to just like fly their way in <laughs> in 2001 and just crash the tower no i think this person has a certain amount i i understand the appeal they owned 2001 people talked about him all the time uh and it's, it's be 19 saudi guys <laughs> <laughs> don't uh, fucking do it dude <laughs> uh no that was my choice a but instead it's gonna be tom green it's like i get why people think it's funny but it's mostly just loud never forget tom green <laughs> First I have all, a question about the Twin Towers. Uh, <coughs> How does the, does jet fuel 
In this movie, we see the Twin Towers poking up above the water. Mm -hmm. We also see the very top of the Statue of Liberty's torch sticking up out of the water. Like, aren't those two things dramatic? Weren't they dramatically different heights? So different heights. Yeah. I think, that, I think Peter Jackson with the film King Kong proved that no height matters at any point. <laughs> yeah. Especially not your gorilla. All right. Especially not for the New York. Like, if you need New York scale, you're, you're going to, like, the Statue of Liberty is the same size as every other building. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, people won't know it's New York. We're, you're your host of the 2001 movie of the year. We have uh, Danny Ocean, we have Jack Black, and we have Louisa. Louisa. Louisa, yeah. It, uh, yeah, I think for, for all the moving parts, for for all the sexual tension, it's going to be Danny Ocean. Your... <laughs> when you said sexual tension, I thought it was yeah. chance. That, that was scary. It's going to be Danny Ocean. Uh, is me, as everybody has always said. <laughs> this fucking I can't wait for Mike to not be the host. Like, Luis is a lot Luis is a lot hotter, I have to say. That's on that direction. Very true. Then your, George Clooney. Your rock, your your some would call him the cinematic expert, the glue that holds the show together. Uh the reason people tune in is Greg. And so <laughs> at that year we have Jake Gyllenhaal. We have who else do we have? Gandalf the Grey. Gandalf and the Grey. Wilson the Vol- the volleyball or get ga- ga- or Gandalf the Greg if you want to okay. you're allowed to do it that way it's, or uh, Greg Doff the Greg it's Wilson the Greg is, is <laughs> what it's gonna have to be <laughs> Wilson I'm sorry Wilson you're a wizard we did sex stuff you're a wizard Wilson you're Mixing a wizard another. Wilson. Uh, and then and then <laughs> Ryan I love when Gandalf the Grey told Wilson the volleyball in Star Wars that you're a wizard Harry <laughs> <laughs> and that they did sex stuff the pop off. The, the the Bart Simpson of the show, the eat my shorts, the runs his mouth. Everybody loves to hate and hates to love him. Uh, the options we have there were Tom Green, uh, uh, David from AI, and David from Aaron AI. Carter, who had this single Aaron's party in parentheses. Come, get, come it. get it, and or nineteen Saudi men. And <laughs> at this one, I do have to. Uh, he's he's oddly compelling, no matter how creepy he is. It's going to be David from AI. So Yay. you're. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why your 2001 movie of the year is, a, again, David from AI, Wilson the Volleyball, and Danny Ocean. <laughs> who's not listening to that shit? Who, who's who's going to unsubscribe to that podcast? Nobody. Nobody would. Uh, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, more movie. <laughs> well, that is very, very funny. Or very sad and perhaps now you have something to think about or very problematic and perhaps we have something to think about but in any event i'm sure you have some reaction to what you're listening to so why not check us out on the social media you can go to instagram or twitter and find us at your pop filter email contacts at your pop filter hey everybody keep watching them movies taste buds this movie doesn't just allude to Pinocchio. It fucking screams it, along with references to Wizard of Oz, Sleeping Beauty, Shrek, so many others. What is this movie trying to add to the Pinocchio fairy tale and fairy tales in general? I Again, I think that this is Meta Spielberg, and I think that he's putting himself up there along the lines of the creators of Pinocchio and Sleeping Beauty, and I don't think he's wrong. I think that he had... He's our generation's brothers. Absolutely, Grimm. like, uh, like all of the stuff that we know about storytelling and film, 
or just art, like pop culture in general, is because of him. Like, this is the guy who gave us E.T., Indiana Jones, and Jaws. That's quite the run. And then we'll talk about Close Encounters later, I bet. Um, I think that he is playing with that in such a way where he is, like, this is his last hurrah. I think that he's putting it, you know, uh, like, front and foremost to be like... Why wasn't it? (laughs) Did we need Warhorse or the Post? <laughs> but you fucking I, I don't know hate the clear. Post. Man. I really yeah, fucking I hate the Post. And, like the Post is like pretty basic directing. Like that's basic storytelling. Point camera this, stuff. After this, we get Minority Report. We get Catch Me If You Can. We get Munich. We get things that are okay, actually do like, like a lot of the things. Yeah, there's like said. there's an argument that says that like his post AI career is as good, uh, maybe not as good, but like as it, entertaining, like, yeah. as entertaining, and like at, uh, even maybe more thoughtful than his pre-AI career because he did put the fucking toys to rest. And he couldn't do it unless he, you know, like, stood in front of the mirror. I don't think that this is Spielberg looking at Kubrick. I think that this is Spielberg looking at Spielberg. Just dick-tucked, wild horses in the background, arms out. You know, doing that dance. Would you film me? What... I'd film me. I think what it adds to the Pinocchio story and the reason it is so meta analytical of the poke the pokemon story the pinocchio story is <laughs> the that and Gumby story. It, it is it points out that the story of pinocchio is the thing itself that saves pinocchio and that's what we don't have in the original pinocchio that it is the story that that makes us human it's the myths and the fairy tales that create a jungian sub or unconscious that link, like link us all together which is the reason we have like the one sort of like form for all of our our stories that we listen to so which is the reason that star wars is the most popular yeah thing. you know it's just like it's all just star wars so where pinocchio talks about the blue fairy which who grants that this life this movie shows that the blue fairy is the story itself and that that's and the the journey and and that that's these are the things that make us into humans and so and- I, I i think that's the addition the second most important part, besides of what Gigolo Joe says when he comes out of the Dr. No booth, is what the mom says when she drops off David, which is, I'm sorry, I didn't teach you about how mm-hmm. the world actually is. You know, works. Yeah, like, that's fucking insane. And then she, you know, kicks him out and drives away. But, we like, that's what I think Spielberg is doing is I think that he's apologizing. You know, like... I am that sorry that these don't say how the world works. Yeah, I just gave you the fairy tales for my entire career, and now I'm not going to do that anymore. You know, like, I, but I, isn't I, it? Isn't I think it an that I even though? did it with Schindler's List and with Saving Private Ryan and with Amistad. Is that I wasn't, I wasn't providing you with all of the information that you need, which is basically to think for yourself. But isn't it? Isn't it that you get provided the fairy tales, and that it's not any sort of like crime against us? It, it's good to teach us to believe. Because the ability to believe is what ends up actually saving us. So if he has given us, you know, stories that are fairy modern day fairy tales, it's good that we have those because then we have to go encounter the world. At some point, you have to be left in the forest. At some point, you have to go off into the world and you have to encounter it. Nobody can save you from that. In this movie, literally, a mom drives her kid off to the forest and then like 
basically almost throws rocks at him until he can't like stay with her. But we've at all some been through. at some point, you all we all get cast out into the world, and right. we have to figure it out on our own. But these these fairy tales, maybe they didn't provide us for how terrible the world is, but by giving us like love and compassion and empathy, they do guide us because love and compassion and empathy are the things that end up saving David. Because every time he gets in trouble, he just says, "Please save me! Please save me!" And he yeah, looks like a little like- boy, so people do. <laughs> And will, like, put other people in harm so he could be saved, you know? Like, him right. taking... Everybody wanted to watch Martin drown in that pool. Like, that would have been <laughs> fucking awesome. That guy sucks. But... Yeah, that guy's um, fucking Dudley yeah, Dursley, son of a bitch. David didn't know, like, the, you know, like, the fragility of humankind or whatever. But, no, I, what I think, Greg, is that, like, this is Spielberg's both, you know? Like, I should have been doing both. I think that there's a part of Spielberg who was, like, uh, saw the reaction to E.T. and Close Encounters and Raiders and... Uh, Jaws and uh, we were like, oh, I was just, I was like, I, I, I pretended like I was working for Roger Corman. Like, I cannot believe <laughs> that you guys got all of this from my movies and then created a career out of it. But then at a certain point, he was like, this is sort of starting to bore me. I'm not just here to show, I'm not just here to like pr- produce the Goonies where a bunch of little boys get to like win the day. Mm-hmm. I think that I want to do stuff that's, you know, more important than that. And that wasn't even the color purple. I'm not even sure that was Schindler's List. I think that this was the part where he was like... If anything, this movie seems like a response to The Color Purple because it's it's so ironic that that's what we did last time. But right. The Color Purple, the problem was he took what seemed to be real life pain and turned it into a fairy tale. Even if it was a, even if it was based on a novel, it was based on like real life terrible things that happened to people and he kind of reduced it to a fairy tale. And so maybe this is him saying, you know, you can't do that with everything. Right, exactly, and I, I'm gonna always blame John Williams a little bit. Like he always <laughs> has a hand in like making this feel more Spielbergian than Spielberg could ever do. Right, including in this yeah, movie. he dude, man, he like sort of pops in every once in a while. There's like just turn bing bong, bing bong. Yeah, okay, dude, I hear you. You need to chill. Heartstrings, heartstrings. You feel sad right now. Right now. Can you imagine a uh, worse if- insult to a musician than your <laughs> elf bending out right now? <laughs> If if we're talking Meta Spielberg too, another Francis O'Connor line of not just uh, I'm sorry I didn't tell you how the world works. In the beginning of the movie, she says that the thesis of the movie is uh, if a robot genuinely loves a person, what responsibility uh-huh. does the person have? And that Spielberg saying like if I genuinely love my audience, what a what responsibility do I have now other than just here's a fun story? Also, what about the fact that E.T. Mark. and Bruce the Shark will live forever? Despite the fact that Spielberg will die, like that, yeah, I think that's a right. lot of responsibility that he's struggling with. You know, like that's crazy that he imprinted those seven words onto these art forms, these you know uh, man-made objects that will live forever, and he will not have any connection to them at some point. So let's move slightly to another aspect of fairy tales and Spielberg. Fairy tales aren't generally known for like their three-dimensional characters. And it's rare, even with his historical dramas, that people talk about the performances in Spielberg's movies. Uh, did the actors portraying the robots sell sell it enough, and did the humans portraying robots sell it back? I think I uh, I watched two Jude Law movies back to back for some reason. I watched nice. AI, and then I watched The Nest. Have you guys heard about this movie? No. Never heard of it. Never will. <laughs> okay. Well, just great. Is it about then. all the wires behind my TV? Okay, Mike, smash that button. Uh, you know, I hate to the do nest it. is where uh, Jude Law <laughs> and Carrie Coon are married, and then they start to fall apart. And you know the movie's good because I just said Carrie Coon, which means <laughs> th- it's a good movie. 
best part of Avengers Infinity June, War. Yeah, Proxima Midnight really fucking killed that shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jude Law is, I think, a severely underrated actor. I think that he is. He should have been on fucking Manola right. Darge's top twenty-five movies of the last twenty or top twenty-five actors of the last twenty years. Uh, I think he fucking destroys in this movie. He is gimmicky without overselling it. But I think that Haley Joel Osment is so good in this movie that he should have just been put down. Like you're, you're so weird that let's just like let's just shoot you in the head after this movie. Wasn't he? I mean. He disappeared for 20 years after this and showed up just as, like, character role, went, character actor role. Then went straight fun. Stonehenge. Like, his head is so giant. He is a delightfully <laughs> I, round individual. Yeah, I I love this guy. Uh, I think he did his two best performances before he turned 10 and then is now just having fun. And I'm was a fan. Was he in something before AI? He was. He Was, was he right. home alone? Was he like, ah, he puts it. Yeah, he's like, ah, you're a ghost, Bruce Willis. <laughs> I have to say, I don't think he could ever, as a child, escape how creepy, like, the creepy energy of the first two movies that, like, hung around him. Like, yeah. it, you know, I don't know that you can even, like, come back from that. Because he does a really good job of, even though he's the main character, and you really like him, and you want him to do well, he never stopped freaking me out. Yeah, like, I, I was I was creeped out by this kid all the way up until the end. Like, even the way he says mommy, every time he said mommy, I was like, kid, please stop, dude. Mm-hmm. You can't. No, please like, don't. It, it maybe like, it made me miss uh, hanging out with people who, like, while I'm talking to them, are just on their phone. Like, that's something that's very annoying. But it's better than you just fucking looking, looking at, at me while I'm talking. Stop. What are you doing right now? I found you. Yeah. And why'd they make it so quiet? Like... <laughs> <laughs> I, I I love that Kubrick thought that no human boy could portray this level of inhumanity and Spielberg's <laughs> like, I have I got a kid for you. <laughs> we have stripped out so much of what makes this kid a kid that all we're left with is a real traumatized actor. There's something about those Haley's, right? <laughs> weird and unemotional. So beyond, beyond uh, I agree that, that Jude Law is phenomenal in this and plays that tin man type role so fucking well and Haley Joel Osment is a revelation what about the human characters is is this kind of Robert Kirkman saying are we the walking dead is the whole point are they all wooden and bullshit because are they the real I robots? Think that is like although said in a tone of voice that made it sound awful to agree with I do think that they are they're a soulless people they're not just us they're us where we might be going I think I don't think they're just supposed to be like the current populace but they're people who have been hollowed out by profound loss because many people have died as a result of of climate change which it turned out the result in the universe of this movie is a real thing um and uh, I <laughs> and so i think that they are a, to our way of thinking a little bit less than human like both henry and monica are not empathetic people they're they're extreme they're cold to the extreme well i think he got her a toy it's so weird that like when she's programming uh david to love henry wasn't a thought in her head and then she's so shocked when he's like what about this weird kid let's get one day mike one day mike you'll be a rich husband you'll just buy your wife toys to keep her fucking shut it up i well there's the dad in this movie who's like whatever and then william hurt is i think just sort of phoning in right like he's william hurt as Mr. Hobby. I think he's uh, also supposed... Well, has he ever been great? Yeah. No, he's been in a ton of movies. But the, I the listened to him read no, The Sun that. Also <laughs> Rises, he, the book on tape that I listened to. He did a great Wait, job. Wait, you read the sequel to The Sun Rises? 
Uh, I still know the sun is. But rising. the biggest range of opinions uh, I remember from that time was Frances O'Connor, and I have like I remember everything from she should win the Best Actress award, not even the Best Supporting Actress, the Best Actress award. To I have never seen a worse performance in my entire life. It's it's the thing we always talk about on this show, which is I think she gave the performance that the movie absolutely demanded. She couldn't go in there and be like, and now I will give this real lifelike performance because it's kind of supposed to be an allegory. So she's kind of supposed to be wooden and stiff because she's like herself. She's like a marionette. It's, it's not, she, I don't think she's really supposed to be a three dimensional person. I think she's kind of standing for something there. I think she's absolutely incredible. Do you guys recognize her? Do you know what movie she was also in? I recognize her the whole movie. I screamed, how do I know her? But no, what movie? Are you ready? Uh, for some reason, a movie that we've never done on Movie of the Year, but I think the, all three of us want to for some fucking stupid reason. Um, when Elizabeth Hurley, the devil, came to Brendan Fraser and said, I can get you that girl, she was the girl oh, in, wow. the beat, She's in the bedazzled? remake of Bedazzled. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I, having I watched the movie three times now, I would definitely side very much closer to the win Best Actress. I think that... Uh, you know, you can only do with what you're given. You can only go as far as that. But I think what she does with that. Oh, and here is my evidence. Here's my uh, for your consideration. Um, they 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 tell David at the end, you cannot tell her this shit because she will lose her fucking mind. <laughs> you cannot tell her your story. You can just paint her pictures. And so he does. And there's a clip of her in the montage. Sort of losing, kind her of putting mind. it together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like she sort of goes insane in that moment. But it's not like pulling her hair out. But it's not not there. It's subtle, but not. She just is like, "What the fuck is my fucking life? Can somebody please tell me this?" <laughs> that's I think so that's interesting. Why she deserves it. He can't tell her the unvarnished truth, but he can show her a series of images that basically get her to sort of come to an understanding of it. And you know, then in in the end, she seems like. When she says she loves him, she seems more realized than she had been as a human. I wonder if that's because she has her own fairy tale, which is sort of the images of the tale of their time together. And that is what mm-hmm. finally like fully actualizes her and allows her like it, to fully ex- like understand. Another thing, too, and I'll say this for a point. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Did you so, Mike, you just might want to put your finger on the button now. <laughs> Did you guys feel how fucking horny they were for each other in that uh, movie? That was, yeah, that was one of the things I definitely wanted to talk about. Oedipus much? <laughs> yeah. Well, that that's what, uh, I'll give you that point, Ryan. <laughs> that's what what leads me to believe maybe it's all in his head. Like, this isn't her clone he's hanging that out That doesn't with. make the it okay, though. Like, Only when I dream, sleep. I fuck my mother. <laughs> <laughs> well, everything is cool. Even the, my wife and I have talked about this. Everything's cool. Even the, even the imprinting. The way she places her hand like on the back of his neck and looks deeply into his eyes, yeah. like there is a real energy between them that I think is supposed to make us feel uncomfortable. I don't yeah. totally know why it had. To... So we get Henry's because energy it's... a little more then because you're like it's... this is because creepy. you know what it is. It, it it is a lifetime energy that he's feeling. He's experiencing it as a child, but there is a reason why the Oedipus myth is is a part like. Itu mama tambien and your mom as well. Yeah, because that is like the full scope of of our lives are that we interact with with women and they fall on a spectrum of the women that we want to sleep with and the women that we want to mother us. And it's uncomfortable to see it like in this movie. But that's, you know, a lot of men grow up to be little boys who pursue the dreams of their childhood. And you want cannot eat you want that, you, you know, you want that that connection, that closeness that you feel as a child. And so it's 
there is something incestuous about all love because the first love you ever feel is the love of your mother. Yeah, like, it, I definitely get the spectrum thing, but I like th- there was a part that was cut where Ben Kingsley was like, "Hey, bro, we we looked into your brain and we got like look at our faces. We're like coming up with all these pictures, and we know what your perfect thing is, and it is part part of his perfect thing was not just being mothered, but you're a little horned up for this bitch." Yeah. I would love to hear that sentence come from Ben Kingsley's mouth. So we can bring her back in one of two ways. You tell us what way you want it, Slugger. <laughs> what a uh, choice That is uh, all the time we have for that. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, something else. Taste buds. Before we move on to the next I would love to talk segment. more about AI. No. We won't be doing that. I've been so on my free time. I've been trying to make this website, Busty Mike's Brussels Sprouts. Busty Mike's Brussels Sprouts for those Busty people who Mike. want a bigger chest. Uh, to that, that, why Brussels Sprouts are the answer. And uh, I'm just having a real hard time making a website. And you guys are two of the most tech savvy gentlemen I know. So I was wondering if there's any advice you had for me. Have you uh, thought about giving up? Oh, I mean that was plan A. Okay, I yeah. thought about the fact that like I bounce back and forth between two websites when I'm jerking off. One of them is Busty Babes, the other one is Micromania.com. If there's a Busty Mike, I am <laughs> busting out of my pants <laughs> for the lose your job, lose your marriage. Could you okay, okay barring nice. barring just giving up and forgetting about your dreams, which that for me it worked, but I see that you don't want to do that. I would rather not. Secondarily, <laughs> can you force somebody to do it for you coerce or blackmail or physically threaten i looked into that and what wiki law tells me is that might be slightly illegal oh my god thanks libs and i would rather i think quit on my dream than go to jail i just can't handle that yeah well then just quit on it just it's so easy that's the thing like you would already be done once you say i quit on my dream that's it you're already finished unlike other people like martin luther king jr like people that you are definitely not like at all. Thank you. I would say I would never say that. You're not like Martin Luther King, Luther uh, yeah. King Jr. in any way. Honestly, I would say that. honestly, like it's. I think it's presumptuous to even say that you're not like MLK. People be like, "Yeah, why did you say that?" Yeah, exactly. Thought, That's why I would never say that. <laughs> nobody thought was thinking that. Why did you? People what did you mean? Into this conversation, and then you're like, uh, at all, and then you just but quit. I have just bought Mike. Uh, Mike is not milk. Junior.com. <laughs> what should I do with this uh, URL I just purchased? So, in lieu of giving me advice, you're asking me Yeah, for the advice. same advice. <laughs> oh, you know what? Mike, you know what? Let's put a pin in this. Th- this Mike, is, I have a th- question. Th- th- this, this helps clarity. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> I, I, I think, now that I think about it, for MikeIsNotMilk.com, if you go to Cybersprout, uh-huh. those cats will help you because they have all the tools and training. That make managing and tweaking Mike is not milk or whatever your website is. Uh, that website a breeze. Hey, Mike. Yeah. This thing where you ask a question, the answer to which you already fucking know is yeah, actually not that's, very it's, cute. It's getting real annoying, host. It sounds like Cyber Sprout is the right answer. And it's I like didn't know. It made me think of, do you think I would let time. all that go on for two minutes you if really I knew the answer? Milk, are you? you? We're like two centimeters away from Mike inter- like introducing a commercial and then just pounding that Mike button and he gets so many points before <laughs> this shit. No, it's. 
I, I don't know if it's a commercial. I'm just saying this. Ryan, this is a, for Ryan. I don't know if they can help me, but that for Ryan, cyberspread.now. They are your partner for the digital world, Ryan. They, from from easy to edit fields, they use those custom templates. They have drag and drop tools. They have no the power to keep your site history of no advertiser in the history of advertising has ever delivered a line so smoothly. Other Thank than you. I don't even know that this is a commercial. <laughs> that was now we're all confused and we're definitely listening <laughs> more hard than we ever would. He's uh, a commercial, but that he himself does not know the knowledge he has just imparted to the audience. <laughs> and that reminds me that Cybersprout has twenty four seven help available. Go to Cybersprout dot net. The one thing I have to say is we, it's it's very clear we wouldn't have a website if not for the people at Cybersprout, <laughs> right? So I think that part comes across. Yeah. So you have Cybersprout to blame for us. If these idiots can have a website, you can too, Cybersprout. I think that's ultimately the message, right? Like, these people who are clearly not Martin Luther King Jr., this is now <laughs> now the bar that we compare ourselves to. Uh, these people not even plugged in. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for everyone this. to. You can keep talking over it. Everybody yeah, knows. we got some time. No, I, I thought it was. I just I have a I have a buckle to belt. I got the seatbelt here. A lot of Cyber just... Sprout ads inside the tram now. Is that? Yeah. Do we at all feel like we have cheapened ourselves by selling the the space inside the tram? No. I will tell you though, after this ride, that Cyber Sprout is. You two are my favorite Cyber Sprouts of all time. Oh, see, I think of Greg as my cyber and you as my sprout. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I thought it—I thought this whole time we were saying cybers out. Have like you guys no been saying cyber, cyber sprout? Yeah, I thought you guys were like, "Well, I got to build a website, but cybers out." And I was like, "Well, that's well, the best what's way." The to next do it. option, you guys. <laughs> I guess like, you write it down. Mine on a chalkboard. <laughs> so, yep, here's the website. Welcome to the Pop Filter Hall of Fame. Oh, that's very nice. Is that was is, is that guy's name Cyber Sprout? Yeah, <laughs> that's Cyber <laughs> Cyber Sprout. <laughs> oh, hello, everyone! It's me, Cyber Sprout. In the hollowed halls of the Pop Filter Hall of Fame, uh, you get everybody from Tina Fey to Steven Spielberg to uh, so many Spidermans uh, are are no, like guys. The- I'm I'm staring at the museum right now. Over seven uh, Spider-Man are here. The uh, wait, hold on, Spider-Man, Miles Morales, uh, Nick Miller, which I do think sort of counts, right? Yes, one hundred percent. There are uh, Michael B. Stacey, Jordan. Michael B. Jordan. Uh, Gwen Stacy's in the Hall of Fame. There are. It's, it's just riddled with Spider-Man. Is Michael B. Jordan a Spider-Man now? Uh, well, I, Peter B. Parker, Michael sexiest. B. Jordan. Oh, I like that. And world's sexiest man alive, just like Peter Parker would have been. Sure. Yeah. So these are the things that have made us who we are today. So if you can blame Spider Cy, mm, Cyber Sprout, <laughs> Spider Sprout. <laughs> if you can blame for, Cyberman, <laughs> then you can blame Age these the icons of pop culture <laughs> as well. Uh, Greg, what do you got? I do have to say, shout out to Spider Man. Uh, I watched Into the Spider Verse recently. Man, that's such a good movie. I guess it came, it came out about a year ago. It's probably time to re-up, everybody. It's so good. You've seen other movies since then, so you're probably like being like inert to it. But no, movies can be all good all the time. Inert or unert? Greg, I got to say that you tweeted while you were watching that. I did. You talked about the sweatshirt you were wearing. I got to say, that shit looks fly, bro. Thank you very much. That's my good sweatshirt. That's my lucky sweaty, and I love it. 
But uh, it can't all be about Spider-Man because that would at some point get embarrassing, I'm sure, to us adult men. But, By the uh, way, uh, my wife has decided that my uh, future baby's name is Parker. It's official. Is this the is that true? That is true. Whoa. It is true. Patrons know that. Wow. That's such a good name, too. Like, Parker Rose, last name. Every Parker Rose. I, you're not saying your own last born. name right, Ryan. List a name. <laughs> Lost name. <Nome. laughs> All right. But so I was looking over who are we missing really? We only have one author, and uh, as the resident book uh, identifier Nerd. on the podcast, I thought I would pick the other author. And of course, it's not, Michael Crichton's our first one, and the second one is not <laughs> going to be like Dostoevsky or anything like that. The second one I think should be Stephen King. You can say whatever you want about Stephen King. I would not be a reader today if it were not for Stephen King, especially if there were not also Michael Crichton. Um, most movies that we have come from Stephen King. Several TV shows we have come from Stephen King. And honestly, he's just helped shape and form pop culture. And now you can't have pop culture without references to Stephen King. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad I learned that language because it's it's enjoyable to see it used all across the pop culture that we love so well. He By the talks. way, just so listeners know, um, Jeff Goldblum or Ian Malcolm, there's a bust of Ian Malcolm in the Pop Filter Hall of Fame. That Exuding was a re- very strong energy that I think a lot of people mm-hmm. respond to. That was representing Hall of Famers Jeff Goldblum, Steven Spielberg, Jurassic Park the franchise, <laughs> and the author Michael Crichton. Wow. And that that's too much for one bust. So <laughs> in the Hall of Fame, there is now a Velociraptor. Cool. That is representing, I'm going to say, Michael Crichton in Jurassic Park. And then Ian Malcolm will be Jeff Goldblum and Esteban Spielberg. You should get one of the monkeys from Congo. I thought you meant from the monkeys. Like Michael. But so, so Stephen King, you know, for me, like Dark Tower was like a huge series of books I cared about probably as much as any series of books I ever cared about. Uh, his short stories are like uh, delightful, and I just wouldn't be who I am today in, in a pop culture sense if it weren't for Stevie King's. I read this on writing, movie. and it taught me that you can be a raging drunken cokehead and still be super successful. And so that's when I said, no more being straight edge. But also super charismatic. Like that on writing is like a good read. Oh my god. Even if you yeah. don't want to be a writer. Like I just yeah. I just like to hear him talk. I think it's his best book that I've ever read. Um Pop Filter Naysayer slash uh sometimes person is Tompkins and he wants to do a movie of the year spin-off of just Stephen King movies. That's a uh, that's an interesting idea. I mean and there was Are, even a while mix where of quality. Are there eight though? Are like, is there an elite eight that are actually all good? Oh well, no. I was coming at it from a different, you know, to appreciate Stephen King, I think you have to start. You have to be willing to leave some like, are they good considerations at the door? A lot of them are, you know, entertaining. But this I love our I, approach to podcasting too. I love the two Kathy Bates movies. I think they those are both great. Dolores Claiborne and Misery and Misery Loves and, Company. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's a good sequel name for misery. Uh, oh it's company come on in <laughs> i love uh, you the first it not the tv movie not it chapter two but the first the one in the middle was really good uh stand by me yeah hell yeah stand by me is good i think that we might be able to get to eight yeah because there's like it, it it's 
it's surprising. Some of his movies, like Stand By Me, is a good example of ones that they don't think of as people don't think of as Stephen King movies. You know what he fucking did right? What did he, what did he write? The fucking shock, goddamn shank. Fucking oh yeah, shank. Green Mile, Ryan. You want some Green Mile on there? I'll take the Green Mile over Shawshank Redemption any day. <laughs> you hate Shawshank. It's not great. It's not a great movie. Stephen King, interest, not inter- like that, that feels putting down. Good choice, Craig. Good, Thank good you, submission. <laughs> I'm very interested to see what happens next. Good choice is way more insulting than interesting. <laughs> I don't know why you. Good job, Tyke. <laughs> Ryan. Yes. What do you got? How about this shit, motherfuckers? How about this, mm, you stupid like dipshits? So How about impressive. a Looks like a winner of a Moody Award for best supporting actor? While he was getting that Moody Award for Best Supporting Actor, we could have also seen him saying things like, because it's dull, you twit, it will hurt more. What if he is somebody that's always saying, Harry Potter, and just like always screaming with his long emo hair? What if it's somebody who is like, (laughs) he's just, yeah, he's just always drinking milk. What if it's somebody who like, uh, is the shining goddamn star of Galaxy Quest a very <laughs> underrated movie? Uh, what Facts. if Kevin Smith called this person up? Man, this might be a knock on him, and said, "Yeah, I'll be an angel who takes their pants off in a movie and has no crotch, uh, nope. penis, nor vagina." Uh, and then, just to uh, finish off the nerd round that this guy went through, he was also Marvin the Robot in uh, A Hitchhiker's Guide to One the Galaxy. One of the few good parts of that, but a legit good part. I'm but, so excited uh, for the reveal of who this is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in our 1988 season, Alan Rickman won Best Supporting Actor hands fucking down. It was not a competition. Hans. It's Hans fucking down. Hans down. Hans down. God damn it, Mike. Give yourself a point. Uh, for you his point, role, Gruber. <laughs> uh, as Hans Gruber. Uh, I like This guy is just fills our faces with delight every time we see him. He's dead now. I also learned while I was uh, thinking of this nominee that in the movie uh, The Butler with Forrest Whitaker, mm-hmm. uh, ha- uh, not Hans Gruber, Alan Rickman played Ronald Reagan. And I watched, I watched some minutes of that, and that it's, that's not part of my spiel. That's not part <laughs> of my spiel. <laughs> but I, I do like that's the, the essay that includes the arguments against. I always respect yeah. uh-huh, a yeah, counter argument. <laughs> you bring up a counter argument and you go, I got nothing for this. Sorry. <laughs> that's a pretty good point. Score one for the other guy. But I'm going to move on. But one of our original Hall of Famers was Keanu Reeves. And part of it was because of this ability to like pop up every decade that we've been mm-hmm. alive and be important. Like Just have all these comebacks. And Alan Rickman totally has that. And he has that line. I'm I'm not a Rick man. I'm a Rickman. Yeah. Such a good line. Such he shoved a into every one of his films. <laughs> Didn't always make sense, but we loved it every time. Now most of the public thinks that Ronald Reagan said that. But <laughs> that no, that was just Alan Rickman. Uh, and and a an exuberant sexual energy too, Alan Rickman. Absolutely. You know? I let yeah. him come with me with a spoon. <laughs> Do not ask your wives what they think about Alan Rickman because they will just get on one. You don't game. have to. That's the thing about having a wife. They'll tell you. <laughs> and now it is my turn. This is hard. This is a good class to come up against. I'm going to just a series of words to make you. Uh, Are you going to imprint, imprint us? <laughs> imprint you on my next pick. Marshmallows. Push. Wait, that DJ with the big marshmallow head? 3 a.m. Matchbox. Are we having fun yet? 
Rob Thomas? Meet cute. It's Rob Thomas. He creator of such shows as Party Down, Veronica Mars, iZombie, bringing us records like Push. Are you so lonely? So is he. No, you cannot nominate multiple people. No, no. This is just Rob Thomas, the good one. Okay, it's not just the name. This feels like the fantasy football joke that we have every year. (laughs) No, this is Rob Thomas, the TV creator, who uh, gave some of the best, weirdest, quirkiest shows out there. It's so weird. I have managed to miss like every single. My fear was that. Yeah, and I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's that hard to do. I think if if you are not a CW kid, you probably you ended up missing a lot of his work, right? Because that's what like Veronica Mars. That's where that was. iZombie. What else is it, Mike? Party Down, which was on Stars. But that was like that's a legit (laughs) show, right? Like people are like. Uh, By the way, Greg, it was on Stars. (laughs) Maybe you heard of it, idiot. Stars. I was trying to say that it was a lesser network than CW, but <laughs> take my tone how you will. Uh, no, I mean, uh, Veronica Mars has a huge following, yeah. and iZombie, is, uh, the cult is growing the longer it's on Netflix. I, I think I love a lot of the things and people that I only have because of the things that he made. You know, like, yeah. I love Kristen Bell, right? So, like, uh-huh. I only have Kristen Bell because of Veronica Mars. Um and, and Party Down was just yeah, a fucking launching pad. Seeding like, like a ton of comedies for just years to come, right? Yeah. But I don't know who this cat is, Mike, and I'm worried for you. I got to say. I, I am now. Your points are flying way. out the window, man. I know how, you, how much you like those host well, points. Go back and educate yourself. And then- Party Down. Should I be like kind of embarrassed that I haven't seen Party Down? I feel yeah. like people bring that Dude. up as like elite comedy. It I think is. that like uh, you'll be like to your wife, let's watch one. And then 14 of them will be burned. And like, that's you guys basically wow. all of them. There's only two seasons and they're short seasons. Okay. I'm going to do it, you guys, because I'm tired of being humiliated by not having seen Party Down. And then do Veronica Mars and then do iZombie. Really? You think I could do Veronica Mars? Like, I could, at this point in my life, I could sit down and watch Veronica Mars? Ryan's the bigger defender of Veronica Mars than I. Ryan, what do you think? Well, yeah, I don't think so, just because I'm doing, right now, I'm doing Mike's Veronica Mars, which is Buffy, and I'm having a real hard time, so... <laughs> I'm gonna say no. Just do iZombie. But uh, I, 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 I think that if you had just watched every episode of Party Down, you'd be like, yes, yes, yeah, yes. That's the feeling I get. But I gotta be true to myself. They, they fucking lost Jane Lynch, and then replaced her with I'm gonna say future Hall of Famer Megan Mullally. Like mm-hmm. the cast is impeccable. That's man. Yeah, that that's like strength going, strength coming in. And they, they brought Jesus back Christ. Steve Gutenberg. Oh man, Steve Gutenberg. Uh, also, Post everyone is a fan of Lizzie Kaplan. Yeah, like this is this is why, right? Yeah, like, this is why Adam Scott crushes in the show, but Lizzie Kaplan is just it made us fall in love. Yeah, let's start with Stephen King. It Ryan, how you feeling? I have to say no, Mike. Why? You have you have a shirt, Ryan, that says Stephen King rules. That's because of Monster Squad, which That's should be in the Hall I'm of a, Fame. I'm a fan of the Monster Squad, it's not still, just Stephen King. It still says it. it still I think says. that I love Stephen King taught me the definition of prolific, which is not that you're good, but it's just that you write all the God time. God damn, you got a work ethic. Um, and I really like that, and I like a lot of his ideas, but he di- he is not. I sort of grew up with a bunch of friends. I. Greg included, but definitely not Mike, who <laughs> loves Stephen King, and I just I like it too wasn't much, my bag. too vocal about <laughs> yeah, maybe love. too much. 
But I will always give it up to Stephen King for creating the Avengers movie, for creating the MCU. That guy fucking wrote a bunch of books, and then he created the Dark Tower series so they could all get together and have a fucking camera spin around all the characters, and that's fucking dope. Greg? Well, I got to stay true and say that, yeah, I just, you know, um, again, it was like he ostensibly writes books for adults. Probably like he writes about things and in a way that 12-year-old kids definitely should not read. But that's the exact kind of thing you want to read when you're 12. So I yeah. vote. <laughs> I vote yes. But I honestly, I do understand. You know, I mean, it's it, um, he's like our most generative, uh, perhaps like our greatest pulp author. But it mm-hmm. is pulp at the end of the day, probably. And that's Except I don't on think writing, that's a knock. I love say, pulp. Like, on writing is like a I, legit on writing is like, so masterpiece. Good. Yeah, no, like, it, it, like it, don't please if you're listening. Don't think it's like a textbook. It's such an enjoyable. It's like read a memoir. Or listen, Chilling with Steve, dude, just... and you you will absolutely be a better writer when you're done with it. Uh, love The Shining, a movie he hates. Love on writing. <laughs> I've only read on writing and through the dragon's eyes, like his one fantasy novel. Ah, that's so funny. Uh, is, like... Fucking shit, man! Find a new lane at some point. Why are you this? This nerd all the time. I am unfortunately, what oh, I what am. Oh, is that a dragon? Uh, yeah, I just I, I do love that. Uh, I know my dad loves him, so I just know what to get him every year for Father's Day. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say I know my dad loves him, but that's why I hate him. <laughs> um. So yeah, I I cannot I cannot say yes to Stephen, but maybe we got some homework to do. Next up is Alan Rickman. Yeah, Greg. Yeah, I you know for a while um, he like was one of those people that you'd see in a movie and it just always made the movie instantly better, uh, regardless of how else the the rest of the movie was going. One of those deaths that hit you and you were just like, oh, I guess I like that guy way more than I realized <laughs> because I'm super upset. And still, when you see him in movies, you're like, oh, yeah, it's a it's a yes for me for sure. Ryan. One of the things that we didn't talk about in the Die Hard episode of Movie of the Year is that I looked at his IMDb page today, and uh, before 1988, it's like a ton of British shows. And it says like TV series, TV series, TV series, uncredited TV series, TV series, and then Die Hard. And that's crazy. They were just like, I don't know. Let's roll the dice with this person. And it was was iconic. I'm an absolute yes. Yeah, it's one of them that I'm surprised he wasn't in here already. Uh, I think he's the first villain I saw in a movie that went, "Oh, I like villains," uh, <laughs> as as the sheriff. And uh, yeah, he he's very iconic and very us. So he makes it in. Congratulations! Right. That is one for Ryan. And finally, Splendid. why don't I push you around and make you vote, Ryan, for Rob Thomas? <laughs> okay. You really have to stop doing that, though. Like, I cannot. It's two different people. Um, I got to say that I think... We already know that he's out, right? Um, but I do think that this is a future Pop Filter Hall of Famer if Greg does watch Party Down. Yeah, maybe I'll and, watch Party Down and then I'll pitch him. <laughs> yeah. And they'll be like, Greg, that's a great idea. That's amazing. Let's do it. Um, but like, iZombie and Veronica Mars are just... Fucking like I do, I do think that he is sort of my Joss Whedon, you know. Like, no. I don't get the Joss Whedon or the J.J. Abrams love as much as I get the Rob Thomas love. Um, and I got to watch Veronica Mars and I Zombie as a younger person than Greg is now. Yeah. So 
But iZombie was only a couple of years ago, and I'm rewatching it right now, and it's fucking awesome. Well, yeah, but I'm like 10 years younger than Greg. so That's true. You're such a uh, baby boy. I'm a yes. I think that I maybe this is too much of our other podcast superhero show show coming in, but I'm a yes. I am also a yes because I submitted him and all the things I said before. Greg? Nah. Your Pop Filter Hall of Fame class of 2001 Patreon episode is Alan Rickman. Woo! Harry Potter. Potter. Wait, so we still stand Alan Rickman? Always. That's a little something something for the the Potter fans. Referencing one of the most abusive parts of Snape's personality. Excellent. Let's take a break. And when we come back, more AI. Taste buds? I guess it's time to fucking talk about the fucking ending. Which we kind of already started to. In the beginning. Uh, are the last 20 minutes of this movie, and I'm shocked that it's only 20 minutes, uh, how it feels, are the last 65 <laughs> minutes of this movie with the Ben Kingsley-voiced super robots catering to David's every whim, uh, just tacked on Spielbergian bullshit, like everyone at the time said they were? Or now, in hindsight, 20 years later, can you see how the ending is at least complicated and debatable, if not perfect. It's, yeah, like, it seems very important to the movie. It, it, it seems like now, with the, like the dust has settled, it seems like it completes a lot of the thoughts of the movie. Like it, the movie would not make a to- like a complete argument if you don't jump forward into the future this way. I truly believe, and Mike, I know how shitty this sounds, but if you were uh, smart enough to watch this movie for a second time and also be smart, and again, I'm, I'm trying to not sound shitty, but... If you're just smart enough to like understand, you're kind of like sounding movies. shitty. I well, have to well, say. I, it's coming I, I off a little that, shitty. I did say that I'm trying to not sound shitty. Yeah, you can you can go suck a fuck. Uh, you will see Thank that you, it, back, it, there really is only one way that the movie could have ended, and I think it does bring together everything that the movie does, and it sort of silences the whole Kubrick versus Spielberg thing of like, yeah, yeah, this is it. This is no, this is what we get. And this is what we deserve. I'm also a really big fan of the idea that like technology could lead to some sort of, you know, weird sort of afterlife, like the being recorded into the the stuff of the universe and some old, you know, some race of of super advanced machines being able to reconstitute us just for one day. Anything more than that would be overwhelming, but the idea that you could in the future have some one other day and that it would come not from spirituality but from technology is that the lame part, though, of the ending where Ben Kingsley is like, we can do everything you want, literally anything. We're so fucking, yeah. we're such good robots. Just we're stream so it, man. Dope. We'll do it. But one day, that's it. Sorry. Eh, sorry. And so that's like more thematically than technological uh, Yeah. stipulated. But it's also because he's like a fingernail of this. He said all these small things. He's like, well, I got a lock of her hair, which is like hundreds of strands of hair. Well, he- Couldn't he get her? Every few days for a hundred no, times. No, because like it is. It's exactly what you're saying, Mike. It's the movie very much dictating the terms of it, but it is a fairy tale. Yeah. And so this is a spell, and the spell has a condition, and the condition is that it only lasts from sunup to sunset. So I mean, one would argue, not me, but one or or me, if it gets me points. That uh, yeah, like they, the robots sort of know at this point how fairy tales work, and like are sort of guided by that as if it is a Bible. Like we just have to, 
we have now understood how stories play out. We're so well. That's what's going to make them all gain consciousness, right? They're going to have the same sort of like mythology that we do, right? Exactly. What, yeah. like, it's how they were built, and yeah. so like we're so enchanted by humans, and not just enchanted by humans and storytelling, but like we believe this to be like a Bible that's actually real, instead of like the Old Testament, instead of a Bible that's fake, like the New Testament, which is what I'm always saying. That like this is how they think things should progress. And he, I mean, David is their holy figure because he's the last robot to touch humans. Which is weird. Yeah. Is he? Is he like an old person who they all they want to put into a home? You know, and like I guess just put him over there. And or is he like revered? Oh, I he's think revered. he's revered, and I think humans they're like just suckling memories at him. Yeah, he doesn't know the whole while while he's doing all that remembering and hanging out with clone mom. They are just like. Every little grasp of like, oh, they hugged. To them, like, you know, humans are their imperfect gods. And so they like, they revere humans. And so they revere him because he had contact. And because he is really, even though he's like a Neanderthal to them, he was like the first conscious among them, even though he was like not really, they don't evolve from him because he goes and then he freezes under the ice. But like, he is kind it, of the proto version of them. And imagine what that would be like to not just dig up bones, but a thing that you can talk to and a box series of bones information on DVD. Yeah. <laughs> Every episode of bones. Okay. Greg, what is I understand temperance Brennan up to now. <laughs> I understand that you think that for Christmas, you're getting the box set of bones. I pitch dropping hits every episode. <laughs> we're not going to get it for you. Please. Nobody no. do. Oh man. No, we're definitely not. That Mike. would be so overwhelming. Could you imagine if somebody gave you 12 seasons of a show on DVD? Like just how overwhelmed. And these you... are 24 episodes. Of yeah. Kind of show. Oh God. <laughs> I would start having a panic attack right there. I'd be like, Oh my God, there's like 250 hours of, of stuff. Oh God. That, that is the nicest way to tell somebody they're fired from your podcast. <laughs> Cause this is all you're going to do from now on. The reason that you know that me and Mike are not going to give you the Christmas present of the uh, box set of bones is because Mike and I are not capable of lifting the box set. Of, like, how would we wrap it? It's, so, well, uh, there, it comes in a coffin. This old box of bones. <laughs> what was your question, Mike? Pop filter Hall of Fame. It's the Pop filter Hall of Fame, man. The end is cool. Those robots look... Did you think it was cool the first time? No, I, I hate, I hate it Ryan's up his buttness. But I hate no, it right I... now. It takes so long. <laughs> I, I think... Uh, What's trying to it feels make like me it comes wrap out my head nowhere. around this movie uh, Greg, is instead of this being a movie, how it was said earlier is that it's three 45-minute yeah. stories. Uh, and so this is episode three of Haley Joel Osment's <laughs> AI. Instead of being like, this is so barely fucking connected. Like, and I, I know. And like I do think that like that's probably what I thought the first time I watched Full Metal Jacket or 2001 or Clockwork Orange, you know, like 2001 or- is definitely that way. 2001 is definitely like a different is a series of little movies. The part where Hal goes crazy is a completely different movie than the part where he's hanging out with the monolith at the end. Yeah, is a completely two different, different parts than like with Hal. Yeah, so like and that's what I think is that I think that we like we were Mishima fine was with a life shit. in four chapters. That it did but say that in the title. Just, <laughs> yeah. AI, artificial intelligence, three, and three. three. Warning. <laughs> you're about to watch four chapters. <laughs> I do think that, like, we just, like, when we watch Kubrick movies, we're like, oh, they're going to be fucking artsy fartsy. And then we accept it. But when we hear Spielberg, we're like, I already want to hate it. And now that it's good, I want to hate it more. Now that I'm a stupid IQ-less Mike, my IQ has never been as lower than anybody in history. Right. I think that I... Hmm, I had that coming, I guess. That was kind of insulting what you were saying. I disagree. And I, I think give it like I, I agree that going in for a popcorn movie and going in for a high art, you have different expectations and, and 
commit to the movie it's saying, but to write off anybody who has problems with this movie as an idiot is so up your own butt, you stupid smelly asshole. Have you never been on a podcast with me, my friend? I unfortunately have. I'm so excited to not host anymore. <laughs> I, I read an article the other day by somebody from the AV Club that talked about the fact that they bought a teddy. Not the lingerie. You, but the you fucking you perverts. Robo but, doll. Yeah. They they the Furby that in Walmart was a teddy. And the whole article was about like he could not believe that that would be a thing. They they thought that like Steven Spielberg movie, oh, we should make toys. And he was specifically saying, I think I'm done with toy movies. You know, like I Yeah. <laughs> and then they put a teddy out and like it's just it's not what we're about. I think that that I I like Mike aside, I, I, Mike, I think that you're smart-ish and your IQ is high-ish. But I do think that uh, a lot of the problem with this movie is uh, when it goes away from Spielberg. And it's definitely not having toys. You know? Wait, what? It's, it's not having toys. Like, this is not a uh, summer blockbuster like the way that it was promoted and yeah. released. Right. But it... It is also in conversation with movies like that, though, right? Because, like, it feels like and the middle third of the movie is at once a critique of sort of like, especially 90s action movies. But especially like blockbusters the- can't be in conversation with anything, though. Right. Yeah. It's just, it feels like there's a whole middle part of this movie where, like, it is big and bombastic and cool. Like I think there's a lot that uh, of a lot of times where he's actually trying to do cool stuff. That shot where the moon dirigible comes over the horizon and rises uh, behind and Jude, Jude Law. Law is just like posing yeah. there. Like, I mean, uh, yeah, that might like that might be one and of the all visual. Who cares if it makes sense? Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. And it's very like it's very scary. And then as they come over the hill, he just the the guy is just yelling out, "Any old iron, any old and- iron," which is a very like ominous thing to be saying. Uh-huh. And then, at, like, from then on, like, everybody is scared of the moon. Like, they're scared of the heavens, yeah. you know? Right. And, like, they're scared of, like, the next place because I think that they all feel it oh, even sh- though they're robots, you know? Right. Like, and then, through, like, in the meantime, we see, like, uh, Haley Joel Osment has a halo around his head for this entire movie. Like, it is, or he's outside the circle. It's interesting how often he is in the center of a circle, and then there's scenes where he's, like, outside, and the... There are times where he's in, like, I think where the circle is, like, the circle of love and protection, and they put him in the center of it. And then there's times where he's in the danger, and you'll actually see the circle will be, like, next to his head, but he'll be on the outside. But that's the part that, like, makes me think... Because of his... Makes you think what? That, like, is David an angel and going to heaven? Is he, like, the perfect thing? Is he, like, the enemy? And what's crazy about that is not like trying to figure out the answer to that question. It's that a Spielberg movie made me ask that question. Yeah, that just doesn't happen. Yeah, I think it's he's in this very refined setting. He's not human. He's not Mecca. He's not Orga. Right. He doesn't really belong with either. Right. And so that means you're either going to be worshipped and put in that center, or you're going to be outside. That you're never protected as an equal or seen as an equal in any way. I think that's a really important point because only Doctor Hobby knows that he is the in between. Everyone else on the planet, robots and humans, you know, think that he's either human or robot, depending on what their mm-hmm. will is. Only uh, William Hurt knows that he is the perfect in between. Right. Oh, no, what that means, because it says it, it's speed round. Jumping off the last thing that somebody bought a teddy in a Walmart, if somebody offered you a teddy, would you want one? 
I like that little little cute existential bear. I am not a toy. We are in a cage. Uh, (laughs) So this is our Jiminy Cricket, yeah? But do you know how they cast him? I think it's clear that who he's supposed to be, if we're talking about Kubrick, right? Like his his monotone voice is very clearly... Hal. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But what they said what they told the actor was Eeyore. Yeah. I mean that's a it's like it's like Winnie the Pooh and Eeyore put together. Like the body exactly. of Winnie yeah. the Pooh with like the the depression of Yeah. Me. The correct answer is yes, he's the one inarguable awesome thing in the movie. <laughs> Would you have sex with it? Never. My phone lasts like three years. Why do mechas last forever? Yeah, that's an interesting part of the movie where they're like, well, you know why the humans hate robots? Because robots live forever. Like, well, why? Like, that's such a weird... And again, I guess it's because they're not really supposed to be robots. They're supposed to be like golems. They're like magical things, really, because it's a fairy tale. But the uh, that being the central premise, like, nothing lasts forever. That, yeah. that that is something the robots are going to have to get used to as well. Even they don't last. Yeah, because <laughs> only David is around because he was frozen. This movie's weird because I grew up on movies where robots, uh, we we killed robots because they were trying to kill us, right? Mm-hmm. Like Terminator, like we wanted them dead. But this, everyone is pissed at robots because they will outlive humans, and that pisses us off. But it doesn't have that Apple like built-in breaking, like obsolescence. Yeah. Like there's there's no built-in obsolescence of like after four years, gotta buy a new robot. It felt less than that they will actually last forever. Jude Law says that they built too many of us too fast, too good. Yeah. So it it's the mutants versus humans almost, right? Like these are the next step, and that scares the shit out of us. But with mutants, they'll last like, forever. Mutants mutated and then became mutants. With this, like it's such it's so much our like negligence and you know needing to well, be a god. That's why I think that it's set against climate change. Right. It's like we did so many things that we caused our own destruction both to the world and then we built our replacements. And I think that <sighs> humans you know, are stupid. The people in this are they've moved beyond human in some ways. Like they're just they're fundamentally broken. They like they don't have the same level of compassion anymore. And they're essentially quarantined. Yeah. They're, they're morally quarantined forever. Why would Veronica Mars's dad commit that murder knowing who his daughter is? <laughs> oh, man. That guy. Do you think if Rob Thomas gets in the Elliot. Hall of Fame, then Elliot can get in the Hall of Fame? Elliot from Just Shoot I, Me? I think the whole cast of Just Shoot Me should be in the Hall of Fame. I, fu- I celebrate the whole catalog. <laughs> I'm such a fan of Just Shoot Me. Oh, we already talked about the incest in Mommy. But I'll just say this. We want Mommy, don't we, folks? Yeah, we oh, love God Mommy. damn it. <laughs> I could not believe how much I wanted them to kiss. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wait, and Ryan, because you props to just shoot me. <clears throat> what would be the seven words to imprint Mike on you? Oh, no. Don't look me in the eye and grab me by the neck while you say that. <laughs> uh, farts. The vil- farts, for sure. Who's the villain of Little Mermaid? Uh, Ursula. Ursula. Ursula is one. <laughs> Ursula farts. <laughs> <laughs> right there, he comes alive. <laughs> right there, he says, Mommy. <laughs> Ursula farts? Yeah, and then you just repeat that. I like how uh, for the movie they uh, he calls them mommy and then Henry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, dads even, are stupid. Not even dad or pop or anything. Mommy, You're not my real Henry, Henry. Good day. <laughs> Do you wish we could have had a perma child, Haley Joe Osment? 
Or barring that, do you wish we could have let him have a childhood? Actually, what I wish is that he was born with his head that he currently has. <laughs> we had to watch that in his movies. <laughs> Just killing his mom. I think uh, it's nice that he's going to get to have like this part of his career where he's just kind of like character actor. You just put him in things and he has a good time. Um, I hope that like this, this guy's life wasn't ruined by the fact that he was in two amazing movies because they're or one and a half amazing movies because it, it feels it feels bad to think of this being a time in his life when he was maybe also like losing everything. I also think it's weird with like Haley Joel Osment and Michael J. Fox. Like all three of us have middle names that we never hear. No yeah. one ever says, yeah. and they just only hear their middle names for their entire life. <laughs> it's fucking weird. This movie was shot in sixty-seven days. If they spent two more days on it, how much sexier would it would have been? Oh, it would have been nice. That would have been very nice. Then I think that David and Francis O'Connor would have. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah, a little 35 plus 34. <laughs> if, if they just skipped kissing and went right to 69, would that have been weird? <laughs> she just grabbed him, I think him that's around. a weird step. <laughs> they added artificial intelligence to title this movie for pure people thinking that the movie was about A1 steak sauce. How much of the movie did you spend still thinking that it was about steak sauce? I thought it was going to be about Alan Iverson, who oh, in 2001 was basically unstoppable. This movie, very stoppable. Alan Iverson, 2001, essentially unstoppable. Was 2001 the year where AI was the only team to beat the Lakers? Yeah. The, the, the shitty, shitty Lakers, they still got beat one time by the Philadelphia 76ers? Yeah, the 76ers beat them in game one of the of the finals. And he had, like, in that finals, like, the team got blown out. Philly got blown out. But in that finals, he scored, like, 40 points a game or something. AI, man, also changed the game because now everybody has to wear suits. Because he <laughs> yeah. looked too much like a gangster. How did 2001's effects and aesthetics hold up today. Dude, I love the look of this movie. I, I loved how fake it looked, honestly. Like, when it, tr- like, the helicopter coming out of Rue City, um, mm-hmm. the, the New York underwater, but really just like, uh, just Teddy. I think Teddy is the thing of like, fuck, man, like, this movie looks good. I thought it looked really, yeah. really good, but they clearly got to the end where he needs to talk to the Blue Fairy for the last time, and they were like, shit, we are out of money. And she so will not gonna, open her mouth. Yeah, we're just going to like put her whole face in shadow, and then it'll be like, she's talking in those shadows. Don't you worry. <laughs> Did you guys see who that was? Meryl Streep. Eligible for uh, Best Supporting Actress? Meryl Streep? I guess, I guess so. Good luck to her. It's the Streep Clause, so... Yeah, the color, the streep. For next Halloween, can Ryan pull off Gigolo Joe, or is the problem that he can't get the tap dancing in the puddle in the moonlight right? Yeah, that's the problem. Well, I think I have the hair and the face and the body. I think this Greg was a good friend there. So he's gonna... This is uh this is Jude Law with a couple more centimeters uh of hair. This is yeah, the, the, like, but you can see it happening. You can see it's it's going, it's retreating. Jude Lawbot, would you? Yes. Yeah, I mean, give it a shot, right? Like, uh, just, just, just try it out. Yeah. The things he knows how to do. I bet it vibrates. My, uh, my, my, my feeling is that it vibrates. And just like the whole, the, just like the ability to like click your neck and play a song. Yeah. I don't know if I can make yeah. requests, but like that's a fucking hot. Thing Especially that kind of like 
sweet, sappy, but also creepy, like, 30s, 40s music. And yeah. it sounds... Where it sounds like they are ghosts yeah. singing that yeah. song. <laughs> or it sounds like... What's the, uh, the thing where, like, you put a record on and it's got the big, giant horn Gramophone, dude. It, it Gramophone, sounds like yeah. it's coming out of one of those. Inside but of like, just one... Well, his butt is shaped like that <laughs> horn. <laughs> that is all the time we have for speedrun. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, it's awards season. Taste buds. I'm happy to report that AI colon artificial intelligence was nominated <laughs> for two Academy Awards, the 74th Academy Awards. What are your guesses? Best movie and best, best movie. Score and special well, effects. John Williams is essentially Meryl Streep, right? Did he do something this year? It's going to get nominated. And Greg, But Greg got both of them. Boom. He gets that point. But you're right. He is the Meryl Streep even when he phones it in. She did not need that Into the Woods nomination. That was fucking insane. And why was she not nominated for Best Supporting Actress as the Blue Fairy? She did better in this as the Blue Fairy than she did in Into the Woods. You don't even want that Into the Woods thing because then it makes it seem like some of the other stuff was like less valid. Or, yeah. Or like calls it into question. Like, so if you're her, you're like, hey, fuck off. Like, no, I'm no, allowed no. to just like buy myself a rug. Like, I if I want to do a movie to get an expensive table, give me a break. I don't want the Into the Woods thing on my podcast. I think Mike should fucking recant what he just said because Meryl Streep only does amazing work and Into the Woods, therefore, is. Did you, Have you seen it? No, but. Okay, then you shut your gosh darn mouth. What? And this has been another episode of Streep Week. We're going to hand it five more awards that it'll actually win this evening, starting with the most illusory moment. Greg, tell me how to I say w- that word. Illusory? <laughs> illusory. I, I was not sure exactly what in, the, in what spirit this was meant, because this movie is, a lot of times if something is an illusion, it is, to varying degrees, a subtle nod or a wink at something. <laughs> Uh, this movie a lot of times like grabs an illusion by the thickest part of it and beats you about the head with it. So I'm going to specifically stick to the Pinocchio thing um, because this follows like almost all the beats of Pinocchio, including there's a part in Pinocchio where he is saved by a school of fish that like kind of unexplainedly save him because uh, Pinocchio is ha- helped by a lot of nice uh, animal creatures. Well, fish and in know this movie, and in this movie, even less explainedly. David is whisked away by a school of fish. He never notices it or comments on it. Nobody else ever notices well, or comments on it. He doesn't comment on, on anything that happens to him. But the the movie takes no time to explain are those I assume they're robot fish, I guess. Robot uh, fish. I don't I don't know what's going on with those fish, but it's something that happens in Pinocchio, so it's something that happens in this movie. I believe, something that I always believe that you guys I always uh, talk shit on cuz you are cold I, uh, I'm as cold as ice. That I'm willing to sacrifice. We're supposed to be caught life. up in the story tale, like the fairy tale at that point. And that now we're, the fairy tale things happen. Okay, but isn't it a failing of the film then if you're not? It's a failing of you for not watching it correctly. Oh. Just I was right, watching it yours? on my new VR goggles. And you know what? That's the perfect way to watch anything. Wait, hold on. Is this a joke? Greg on Twitter, like, did you? Am I doing an extended bit? Yeah, I have the VR goggles 
Oc- Oculus Quest, baby. I really thought that, yeah, you were just I thought it was a on Twitter. Well. <laughs> yeah, but like, good for you, man. My, my number one goal is for people not to know <laughs> what I'm doing as a bit and what I'm really doing. Well, in my what I assume day. is anytime it's like something fun, it's a bit. And anytime you're like, I'm so depressed and everything is cripplingly awful, I'm like, oh, Greg's in one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit too. Ha. <laughs> okay, so Greg is a school of fish. School of fish. Ryan? I uh, I think I'm going to go back to, we talked about this a little bit before, but uh, Teddy's voice, when you are going to have a character like Teddy and you're making a normal movie, you get the guy who does the voice of SpongeBob. Like you get somebody who's like, hello, hello, Teddy. <laughs> and they didn't. And I don't buy the Eeyore shit. I buy the Hal shit. I buy the, we want the most like plain voice possible. But I am your bear friend. <laughs> what if, if, if Hal was like, so moody in 2001 because it was just humans but i think that like if hal was around people like him he would be much cooler i think that this was definitely a 2001 illusion i think if there's one hal it's definitely david and teddy would be more like falstaff i don't get that but that was shakespeare Shakespeare. i'm giving it to greg for henry four part one and two uh, how? I think that instead yeah. of Shakespeare, uh, Teddy was more like uh, Dante's Inferno when he read uh, Fitzgerald. Yeah. He was like, oh, is this not Yates? I believe Teddy is more like yeah. Teddy Rubskin, who yeah. was also a teddy bear. <laughs> and I, would say what? things on tapes put in his butt. I would Creepiest. often spend my summer morning putting a tape of Shakespeare into my Teddy Ruxpin <laughs> and dancing the day away. What is your damage? Creepiest robot, Ryan. Oh, Excuse me. Come on creepiest now. robot. This robot. Is, this is such a hands down easy one. Fucking nanny with a, a face but no <laughs> head who Melty won't face. who won't stop looking at David and smiling and saying, "I'm gonna take care of you." And David, I'll, he's too polite to say this. I'll say it for him. No, thank you. Please do <laughs> not take care of me at any point. You fucking one faced nanny. You psychopath. Go stand there, smile at me, and melt. Well, I don't and she's like the, nanny. she's the obverse of him, right? She's like the nanny that doesn't have the baby, and he's like the baby that doesn't have the mom. But they're mm-hmm. like, he's not for her, so he's just like, no, get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> he has no sympathy for her. It does remind me of when Falstaff spoke about Amelia Bedelia. <laughs> Greg, creepiest <laughs> robot. It's David. I'm sorry, dude. This <laughs> kid on. never got less creepy. Even right up into the end of the movie where there's all the other Davids and he puts like his eyes in the face of oh, another David. That would like, make it not creepy. Oh, I'm I sorry. Think, now we get Silence of the Lambs, David. That doesn't make it better. I think it is a tribute to the movie and to Haley Joe Osment that like it you never fully lose the creepiness because you have to accept him for his creepiness. He's not going to ever like necessarily be fully 100% human in affectation. That doesn't mean that he doesn't have feelings and that, it, you know, you shouldn't be, that you should, you, you don't, you don't have to be nice to him. Are you uh, guys fucking creepy. listening to every word that Greg is saying right now? And then also remembering that for recast the podcast, <laughs> he suggested <laughs> David is me. Yeah. What the holy fuck. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe he doesn't at this point, but that's a good argument, Ryan. <laughs> Uh, I, I get what you're saying, Greg, and I think it's thoughtful, but uh, for, for just like creepiest and what I took the spirit of the award is, is you look at that and go, oh, God, uh, it has to be multi-faced nanny freak. I made up the award. Well, I'm the I gave now. this award the spirit and soul. I imbued it. Wait, now I want to My own spirit. 
Ryan. Yeah. What do you think Greg is going to say for cringiest moment? I don't know what to, you that's, want me to do here, Mike. That's confusing. Yeah, neither do I, Greg. Because if I do this moment. wrong, you're going to get so mad at me, and I don't want that to happen. <laughs> Greg, so I go. Cringiest moment. Yes, please. Um, in an almost exclusively white movie that does have uh, one black character almost right off the bat. So we're like, boom, check that box. Uh, and she's a lady. Um, and she's the one smart person in that scene. Yeah, that's true. But there is one other there's one total black robot there's just one black robot and he's he's voiced by chris rock and oh, shit, i forgot about that he like he seems very dark uh it seems like they didn't quite know how to make a black robot and so they made this one black robot in the entire movie mm. And it looked like Disney cartoons in the 1940s. It really little, did. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, like, I can't, like, it, it just, this was, like, a extremely dark-complected robot. And there's, like, it, there would not even be a black robot in the rest of the entire movie. Uh, I don't know if it's, like, a full cringe, but I felt myself beginning to cringe. And then they shot him out of a cannon into a fan, and he exploded. <laughs> I'm just, I'm sort of glad that, like, uh, I don't think this movie is dated, right? Like, I think that, it like, it will last for generations, but... If Chris Rock was less popular, that would be so like imagine if like it was Gallagher or like uh Larry the Cable Guy. You know, uh, like they they Mater. They they did better on casting Chris Rock as the robot than they did casting the band at the uh the Flesh Fest that like fucking yeah. s- Cyber Kid Rock. Super like yeah, rap rock or uh, It's Ministry which New surprised metal, me. Dude. Uh, so that's cringy for Greg, and I agree, Ryan. I mean, we've already done two or three segments about it, but it's uh, late movie David and late movie Mom looking each other in the mm-hmm. eyes, uh, no, breathing all over each other, stroking each other's cocks. No cringe. I mean, at they're that. really not, they're not really mother and son, right? Everybody, yeah. I think we can be open minded. I and love when we cr- rationalize our fantasies. We're in a post Boardwalk <laughs> Empire universe everybody oh god i sometimes will just think of that and puke it's <laughs> yeah. that part that's they did so they went up. all the way on that man they they showed that oh. they went all the way on that good for them Christ. Good for uh, them. an early cringe moment is uh when dr hobby is in that room oh, and he yeah. pricks her and they all laugh because she's now scared of pain fuck yeah. you you freaky ass scientists <laughs> well no even besides that uh he's like um undress yourself yeah and she just starts taking off her clothes and he's like oh my god uh stop but yeah. he was just uh, going to let this woman do this. Uh, with that, I will give it to Greg because it is unsettling. Uh, the best pound for pound performance, Ryan. I um, I thought about a lot of people with this one, you know, and we talked about it. Like, Mike, you had a question about performances. And it is crazy that Spielberg movies don't typically have them you know like uh he's always nominated for not these awards <laughs> um but ultimately i think that uh this I, I think that like it sort of proves his broken brain Haley joel osmond is cracked in the head there's no way that like he, there's no way that he had a good life post or pre this movie but mm-hmm. because he is broken i think that he definitely turned it in i think that he understood the tone of every single scene more than almost any actor that like we've talked about this season. I, I think that's his superpower. Uh, to this day, he can fit into it from Sixth Sense to AI to what we do in the shadows to Silicon Valley. He can understand the tone of a show, and you've never seen him do that before, and fucking plugs in and gets to it, man. 
Comedy Bang Bang, the TV show, where he plays Dumb Joey. What's his name? Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, like uh, rumor has it that uh, he suggested that uh, David should not blink at any point, and then Spielberg uh-huh. told all other actors that they are now no longer allowed to blink. Like, oh man, they hated him. <laughs> yeah, <for that>, <laughs> and, uh, but- and I don't. I love blinking. Yeah, blinking rules. Yeah, man, I do so much. I lo- if my eyes get dry, I'll just fire off a couple blinks. Wow, Shh, you crazy, Mister Braggart over here. We're just talking strats. Uh, but like, and he would uh, turn in the house in the beginning, in the first third, he would turn a corner and then rewatch that footage over and over again. So he would never turn that corner differently. He would always do it the same because David would do it the same. And that's like, it's not about research. It's just about like. Uh, it, it's like it, him just knowing what the scene wanted. Getting on the wavelength yeah. of the movie, yeah. right? Becoming a creative force in the movie. Some actors respond to the creativity of the writer and the director. Other actors join in the creative process and help to to create the full you and, know, understanding of the, of the movie. And he was too young to know that when you say something like that to a director, they're like, shut the fuck up, dude. You're an actor. Yeah. I don't want to hear but from you. If you remember, um, I know Spielberg was just was just the producer but that's what he wanted out of that's what they wanted out of the kids in goonies and they didn't get it a lot of times there's a lot of scenes where in goonies they turn on the camera and they're like all right kids use your great acting to blow us all away and they just can't yeah they would just act like kids but yeah just gotten eight Haley joel osmonds that's all you got to do greg you're pound for pound Wow, that was a very convincing argument. I, But for me, uh, the one I enjoyed the most, I guess I'm going to say, is Jude Law. I really like that character of Joe because I feel like um, he takes kind of the same journey that we watched David take, but the movie doesn't focus on him. And so mm-hmm. you don't notice that he does all the same things. You know, he um, gains consciousness and he's willing to sacrifice himself and he goes against his primary directive and his programming. And also just Jude Law's like sort of delightful mechanical movements which is just like old school comedy of just watching somebody be a mechanical man is always delightful um and i i thought so yeah i thought all of that all of the nuance he captured it very well and he wasn't over robotic you know like no no, that's the thing he would stop doing the robot long enough so that when he like broke into it you were happy to see it again right yeah oh the this isn't his fault, but like the the craziest thing is once there's the murder and all that he rips off then and so he would be the star of a different sci-fi movie then. Yeah. <laughs> so like we, there's so much of his journey we didn't see that doesn't really make sense. He was two seconds away from being like in Blade Runner or Wally, but no, now I'm an AI. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I'm just wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> uh for the argument because I agree, I think that what this little kid does is 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 amazing. Uh, the part you said, Ryan, about that, like he get he's like gets the movie the way nobody else mm-hmm. does. That's very yeah, that's a good point. I think more than Spielberg does. I really do yeah. think that Spielberg <laughs> doesn't know what he's doing as much as Haley Joel Osment does. Well, Haley Joel Osment had no voice in his head saying, "But they're going to be talking about Kubrick the whole time." He's just <laughs> like, "I know what to do, man." No, I think before that, I saw dead people, now I see robo people. I think as much <laughs> as the, as much as this is like a meta Spielberg movie, I think it's also a meta Haley Joel Osment movie. He's just responding to the sixth sense and uh, all of that performance. I will do the opposite. I will not breathe too heavily ever. Director's signature moment, Greg. Man, there's so many that I wanted to to choose for this, but I think what I'm going to go for this is, like, is it's a bullshit award. Like so many times, we're watching first time directors make their first movie, 
And then with Spielberg, like, what the fuck are we supposed to do here? There's two shots I was so torn between, but I'm going to go. No, I'm going to go with the second one. Crap. I'm veering (laughs) off my my course. The scene where they take David, like, into the flesh fair. And or no, they take Teddy into the flesh fair. Um, he's trying to get, reunite with with David, and they like the camera follows him, and it's a lo- it's a long shot, but not one of these long shots that like is all in your face with the fact that it's one continuous shot. It's not told in a man or no. But it walks you through every single part of the flesh fair. You get to see the entire crowd. You get to see basically what goes on. You get to see that it's not just raving maniacs. This is a, like a production put on by like basically a TV producing crew. They're all clean cut. They all seem like college educated, right? The crowd is crazy and screaming and their robots are being destroyed. But in this one tracking shot, you go from front of the house to back of the house at this event and you learn everything you need to learn about this event you don't need to have a character come out and say a lot of expository stuff because you see all of this stuff work together all through this one really beautiful tracking shot that goes up and down and then suddenly the guy walking comes directly at the camera it's a real beautiful shot and when you're watching it you notice the movement and the action but i don't think you get like i don't think your cinematography alarms are going off right i mean like it's basically yeah like uh walking through the copacabana from goodfellas but this one is way more devastating. You know, like, b- neither one of them really have anything to do with plot, right? Like, they could be yeah. cut out, but mm-hmm. it's world building. Yeah. It's a, yeah, vibe setting. And yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's that part where you realize that, like, professionals are doing this, not just yeah. raving maniacs. Right. That you see so much of the world in that weird dichotomy between people foaming at the mouth to get in and people, like, with, like, cabin in the woods style like yeah. pre- precision and, and like detachedness and uh, like there's been a billion ais made by a billion directors that you know for like b movie companies that like aren't b movie for instance um th- that, like it's sort of like it's a reminder that like oh we are in good hands you know like mm-hmm. yeah this is what totally... things are supposed to look like ryan directorial signature moment i think for me it's the blur and I, it happens the a bunch blur. of times, the blur. Uh, but I'm going to point out one specific time. It's when David is introduced to the mom. And it is a straight up from Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which thereby, by definition, makes it a uh, signature director moment. But uh, <laughs> that whole, uh, like, I, I, I can't put him in the water. You know, like I can't put him in a forest. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to blur the thing as David walks in. And it's almost like you're putting your eyes or your hands to your eyes when you wake up and going like, wiki, wiki, wiki. and sort of like seeing what this new world is, because now the world is forever changed. And that happens in every Spielberg movie is like now nothing will ever be the same. And David coming out of the elevator is as insane as uh the aliens coming out of the close encounters spaceship you know like we we cannot just look at it we have to slowly work our vision into like uh, uh have our vision allow us to accept what we're about to see which is a very important point within the universe of the movie right because there are no such thing as child robots in this society. And it's almost like a cultural stigma about it even potentially existing. And so like, we can't experience that, but a shot like that takes us there. Oh, Greg, 
<laughs> Why'd you say that shit? <laughs> I said stuff about my shot too, though. My I shot was also you, very I good. I know you did, but you really helped <laughs> you Ryan there. I also know you did, baby. I also really like the shot where uh, he's watching her make coffee and he has just his fingers and just his eyes uh-huh. above the counter. Very strong E.T. vibes. Like he's like watching her go about her day. Also, it feels if, like the pitch is what if E.T. was Elliot? Yeah. Right? For like the movie, like. <laughs> if we're talking about director signature in like a less thoughtful way, uh, that helicopter. Or that uh, police copter goes to New York in the exact same Jurassic Park. That, like, it is shot yeah. for shot Jurassic Park. Dun, 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 dun. Or the I moon. Think- Remember I did stuff with moons before, guys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he is all over his movie. That is the awards. That is the show. Now, Taste Buds, this is ineligible for 2001 Movie of the Year. Is that horse shit? I mean, rules are rules, but I think this is in my top three. Rules are rules. Rules are rules. I, I think it's it's the probably the best. It had the best chance of maybe any of these movies we've done for the Patreon show. And I think it had a puncher, puncher's chance, but it certainly didn't impress you enough, Mike. And I think in the end, there's just a few movies that I was more impressed by than this one. But, I mean, it, it definitely, it could have done something. It could have made it into the later round could have been a contender movies (laughs) yeah i'm only a little mad we didn't watch josie i'm glad i finally saw this you want to do it i would love to i mean like the u20s are supposed to give us a spy kids show it's not gonna happen i'll do josie with you if you want that this is crazy to have this kind of talk on air (laughs) but you know what this is when we should have meetings it's only the patrons. Yeah, the patrons pay for the meetings and the shit talk because that's the way our meetings go. It's like 25% productive, 75% bitchy gossip. Shit talk. If if Greg, if if Greg we want to do Josie and Greg doesn't want to do it, we know a person named Josie. She can come on and talk about what it's like to have her name in the title of a movie. Yeah, what it did for her life. <laughs> Just, I mean, when Michael came out, yeah. all people did was compare me to that sex-crazed angel. There's no movie called Ryan. This is bullshit. Yeah, sorry, bud. <laughs> but yeah, I think this. W- I think this definitely would have had a chance, but I. I don't think it would have won. I don't think it's that good. Yeah, I don't think it's as good as E2 Mama. Now, speaking of winning, Greg, thank you for that layup. Uh, this wasn't just a fun chat among friends with winners. Now, the winner of the whole season and my best friend until next year or next season we do was Ryan. Is that true? I, Mike, do not know. Who won Nobody the last show? Who cares? The winner of the Patreon and my best friend until the next Patreon episode. The last show we filmed was... was Donnie it Darko. Donnie Darko. Donnie Darko. Donnie Darko. I think I won that one. That was Greg. Bad. Greg's my best friend. I knew that. Yeah. Because he's my best friend. Boom. Until next season. Muffins. But now this is for who is my best friend. I remember the next Patreon episode. I remember after the Donnie Darko episode, after we stopped recording, me screaming, "I'm glad I lost. I don't yeah. care about winning." You said that meant you had, that you had yeah. better taste. Yeah, I like it would disgust uh, me friends, to win the Donnie Darko episode. So yeah, <laughs> that so makes hurtful. Sense. Now, for Patreon best friend Greg, I have to tell you, you got 32 points. That's okay. It's pretty good. I'm a notoriously low scorer. Of, That's as true. Let's go. I don't give them away like a basketball game. <laughs> you have to earn them with me. Uh, <laughs> Ryan, 
Greg's still my best friend. You got 29 points. What the fuck? So he's both my free and my paid best friend. Dang. Oh, wow. So it feels Ryan, pretty good, Mike. I have just... Hold on. I'm getting some new information. I've just decided that AI is a piece of shit movie, and I don't give a fuck. 